one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, down here in the Rugby Dungeon, I am with Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And of course, down the line, there is Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, JB. Hello, Phil. Hello, Tim. Now, second time of asking. Tim, why don't you tell everyone the name of this podcast? Yeah, oh, hold on. You're making it sound like <laughs> I'm the one that <laughs> balls that first time. Fine, <laughs> but I will anyway. I'll just get on with it. It's the Egg Chasers <laughs> Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Here with you 52 weeks of the year, making sure that every single Monday you have your rugby fix, especially important after a weekend like the one we just had. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Uh, and why are you in London? What's going on? Uh, I've, I've been working at Talk Sport today on uh, Wales versus Fiji. And can I, can I just say what, um, what, what an absolute gent and consummate pro and lovely man and general voice of rugby Miles Harrison is. He's cool, I've isn't he? I've worked with him the last couple of weeks and he's, um, yeah, I'm, I've just got a lot of time for the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you said Talk Sport coverage. You meant the excellent coverage from Talk Sport. Of course, yeah. So, yeah, get, get all the Autumn Nations Cup rugby, just as it was all the British and Irish Lions uh, exclusive radio commentary in the UK as well. So, yeah, get your Talk Sport app downloaded. And um, if you're stuck, like, I, I've got messages from a lot of people who listened last weekend to Wales, South Africa, when they were in the car park getting out of Twickenham. Mm. Um, and, and and they got it on and yeah, yeah so yeah and come join us I I did as well this weekend I listened to the first half of uh, Scotland South Africa uh, in the car travelling up to Pe- Preston and then the second half of England Australia in the car travelling back from Preston and then immediately watched it again so I knew what had happened but I wanted to see it for my own eyes and well, I have you... to say Talksport was very good what you went to watch. You went to watch Hoppers play. <laughs> I missed Hoppers, unfortunately. What a rare treat! How, um, how did they go? <laughs> Don't know. Missed Hoppers, unfortunately. Oh right, okay. Well, I can tell you they actually won. Did they? Yeah. So uh, it looks like them and Otley are running away with that league at the moment. Mm. I think they have one less game than Otley played. I think, but they're looking good. Uh, just... well, we've, got, we've got a brilliant review here. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut across you there. No, no, please. Fire no, yeah, you, you go, Tim. You go. We got we got a review here uh, on email. We're contacteggchasers at gmail.com. And uh, Peter Shaw, he said, uh, Egg Chasers is literally 
a sail sharks slash Didsbury Talk H pod, which dabbles in rugby law subtleties, stash reviews, Steve Diamond worship, and the sexual objectification of male rugby players and their best body parts. I think that's fair. And it's still the, and it's still the best thing about my commute on a Monday and a Tuesday morning. Wonderful stuff. That is well, definitely yeah. accurate. Hey, I, I will tell you something else about these <laughs> lower league tables. I, I'll, I'll get all this out of the way so you can get into things that you want to talk about now. But um, I want to know what's going on at Blackburn Rugby Club. Because every time... Did you see the video that... Black, I don't know if Blackburn put it out, but the one doing the rounds on WhatsApp of that scrimmage against Vale of Loon. I did. I saw a video of them uh, uh, UFO, yeah. UFOing the opposition. Tired. I have never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like it. And they've won again. They've won again this weekend. And they've beat Macclesfield, which, you know, in historic terms, Macclesfield have been right up there. I don't think they went quite as high as Championship. Maybe they did. Uh, this, they, is, this is what people are tuning in well, for, by the way. Yeah, they've certainly Blackburn, been... Blackburn v Macclesfield, that's, that's what they're here, that's what they're here for. Well, but, Tim, but Mac for years were tier uh, three, tier four. For yeah. years and years and years. Ma- Ma- Macclesfield have had Cam Neal play for them, Sam James, Luke James, Tommy Taylor, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. I mean, this is a, that's a very big club. So, well, read, a very big regional club. Yeah. And they've been, been beaten by Blackburn. So I'm, I'm going to get, get, get to a Blackburn game because I want to see what's going on. Mm. Yeah. Well, do, One more. What, oh, sorry, sorry, Phil, go on. I'm just going to mention, uh, not won't mention too much about uh, National League 2 North because Stourbridge are now the only unbeaten team in the league. Well, uh, Actually, lost. no, I t- tell a lie. Rotherham are still unbeaten, but they have played f- two fewer games than others. But Sedgley lost 32-31 away at Stourbridge. Stourbridge with a f- uh, last-minute penalty to win the game. So Stourbridge had to lend Huddersfield a prop a few weeks ago. I understand Huddersfield were in a similar situation this week, which led to a, a, a someone getting in contact with me over Twitter, which I thought might lead to me being offered a game at Huddersfield in level four or level five. Level which, yeah, uh, level four. Yeah, which I would have done. I would have done in a heartbeat if they needed a tight end prop. But um, then I thought, then luckily, whatever, what, for whatever reason, it didn't come <laughs> come to fruition. But they did go to uh, left for students and lose by only two points. So mm. that's, that's pretty. That's pretty, that's pretty good stuff. So that's final the... bit of admin. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, go sorry. on, Tim. Go on, Tim. You final bit. Of final admin. bit of admin before we get into the actual substantive rugby Ugh. stuff, and not the most incredibly niche beginning to any international <laughs> weekend rugby podcast. This is you've more ever important. Heard. This is for so much more and more interesting. Quite frankly, <laughs> we've uh, we've been contacted by several people. Um, you know who you are. The, the people that got in touch with us. Contactedchases at gmail dot com. Um, with a well. With, with a, a another one for our literally files, if JB, you could fire um, the first clip. What? Is someone, is someone going to li- literally go into jail now? To literal this jail? Is, this is... Someone's literally going to literally jail. This is Mike Tyndall. Six guys streaked naked across the pitch, and Dave Flatman got so angry, he literally killed this one guy. <laughs> David Absolutely, Flatman. Absolutely, literally. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Has he? Wow! Does anyone know about this? Yes. Has he been arrested? Oh my word! Did you hit? Yeah, I think I think I know where you're going with this. Go on. Where am I, go- where am I going with this? There was a uh, news story. That, yes, that, I am going with that. That I only read this week. It might be older. About the student who, in a game of truth or dare, or either truth or dare, or I've never truth or dare was admitted to killing his own, burning his grandmother's house down and killing her. Yeah, have you heard this story, Tim? 
What? And went what? and went to prison because <laughs> of it. Literally gone to jail. Um, oh my god! Yeah. Anyway, it's, um, it's, anyway, what I thought is uh, like so. I'm I'm referee JB. You're my assistant. Okay, Phil, sure. Uh, Phil, you're the TMO. And, okay. Um, let, let, we, we just need to we need to check back on this a second. So can you, could could we just see it from a different angle, JB? Number two, please. Yes, yeah, certainly. Dave Flatman got so angry. He literally killed this one guy. Absolutely. Did say stop? And, yeah, okay. And I just need to see it at full speed again. Number three, please. Yeah, okay. He literally killed this one guy. Absolutely. Literally. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Dave, so Dave Flatman is a murderer. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to have to go through this in order, aren't we? So, was there intent? There most certainly was intent. <laughs> Force? <laughs> Sounded fairly forceful to me. Um, he's got to go to literary jail. That is one of the worst offenders that I've, I've ever heard. I, I would love to, as the TMO, step in and upgrade or downgrade things, but mostly upgrade. Yeah, but absolutely. I can't. I, I completely agree with your decision. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's horrendous. <laughs> I, I, I guess Mallover will be pleased. It's not them this week. <laughs> we broke Russ from Mallover. We just broke him. <laughs> yeah. he, he, could, he couldn't speak. And, and there is is one more. I'm going to find the email that this came from. But if you can hit uh, the final file, of course I can. Well, it feels right, doesn't it? Goal. Well, I've seen it all now. <laughs> I have literally seen everything now. Wow. <laughs> We've got an omnipotent darts commentator. You <laughs> can see the past, the present, and the future. Everywhere. You've literally seen anything in darts. Pro darts. You could have got away with that. Just a little bit better phrasing. But now he's literally got to go to jail. What a shame. What a I shame. will find your name, whoever sent that one. Um, I've just lost it, unfortunately, this particular second in time. But contact techchasers at gmail.com for all of those. Uh, how good was the rugby? Oh, my goodness. I loved it this weekend. It's all the, right. Oh, the... Ireland New Zealand game was one of the best games I've seen in years. I've not seen it yet. Have you? I've not it rewatched was... it. I was absolutely steaming drunk yesterday in a Colwyn Bay Rugby Club reunion, so I didn't actually sit. That's the only game I've not really seen anything of. It was brilliant. It was absolutely sensational. What a performance by Ireland! So there are some fixtures now. I was talking to someone in in rugby circles today, and I was like, "Do you find?" international games boring or do you find them really really boring and the answer just came <laughs> back which is i don't watch international and it's like yeah okay i definitely definitely can see that and i think except for the six nations and i think six nations is good because every fixture is competitive and i think the autumn nations is like you've got to sort of contrive these fixtures and there's so many repeat fixtures because there's not that many competitive teams but there are some fixtures that just really stand out for you and island all blacks is definitely one of them definitely one of them it's one of those Amazing fixtures, and it's it's become one of those amazing fixtures in the last five years. Yeah, since Ireland since first won, yeah, first won in twenty sixteen after a hundred years of trying and failing. Then they've played each other five times since then. Ireland have won three, three. Uh, New Zealand have won two, and the games that Ireland have won have just been brilliant games, brilliant performances. Where Ireland each time have found a level above. Anything I think they've done previously, well, and this was this was no exception to that. You know that saying, don't you? Uh, something like, um, like the Yankees win because the stripes on the uniform, i.e., it's just because they are the Yankees. Yeah, and everyone buys into the fact that they are the Yankees. I just don't think Ireland care who the All Blacks are. Now. They're not bothered. They don't. They 
the, the All Blacks were impossible to beat, and it was no game summed it up better than Ireland are was it six points up. The clock goes into the red. New Zealand are in their own twenty-two. They go ninety something meters to score the try in the corner. Dan Carter, uh, does he have the, he misses the conversion, but Ireland have charged early. He gets a oh. second shot of this was about twenty fourteen. Yeah, he gets the second shot of the conversion and slots it for them to win by one point. And you just think if Ireland can't close that game out with the clock in the red, the New Zealand have to go. 90 metres to and score a converted try, then they're never, ever going to win. They do to the All Blacks what the All Blacks do to everybody else, which is they just be the All Blacks are able to raise their game 10, 15% more than whoever they're playing. And for whatever reason it is, Ireland are able to do that against the All Blacks. Well, this game, I think they raised it more than that. I, I think Ireland were absolutely superb right throughout the game. And I, I was certain at half time when Ireland. They had a disallowed try for um, Furlong. They kicked the corner several times, and particularly with the last play of the first half, they kicked the corner and get nothing out of multiple attempts. New Zealand get the kind of, not lucky, but soft Taylor try to go in 10-5 up at halftime, and you just think, Ireland have blown it. They've had all this territory, all this possession, and all they can show for it is five points. New Zealand will get stronger in the second half, and they will. New Zealand will pull away. I would have bet the farm on yeah. at half time New Zealand are going to win this comfortably. And then Ireland just came out and they were by far the better team for the whole of the second half. They totally blew New Zealand away. Um they were magnificent. Literally how good were they? They were Well, I'll put it this I'll put it this way. I think the stats were something like again, give or take, numbers might not be quite right. Um I think it was sixty seven percent territory. 60% possession and they uh, they just they totally dominated New Zealand and I think it says everything about New Zealand that they were still in the game um with with, with not long to go and um they're always they can just bang and score I think to keep New Zealand to 20 points also is another stat which is that's, that's a rarity it is and 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 the other really noticeable thing about Ireland which is normally something you associate with New Zealand is the bench had such a big impact, and and the final twenty minutes were awesome. Peter Omani and Tyg Byrne coming off the bench, just Not at the point bad, when New Zealand it? want to speed it up, they completely ravaged their breakdown. And Joey Carberry, who's been a bit iffy and hasn't quite been fulfilling the promise that he showed in years gone by, uh, he he came on and just looked cool as a cucumber. What do we think? Yeah. Of, what do we think of the? Well, I was going to say the decision not to start Richie Wonga, but then I'm looking at Bowden Barrett, so. You know. Yeah, New Zealand are. Either or. I was thinking about that in the game. That is that one of the few substitutions, with possibly the exception of I don't know, New Zealand, uh, sorry, South African props, where you have starting a top five in the world in their position and replacing them off the bench. You also have a top five in the world in their position. Yeah, pretty much. There's not many uh, international sides that can boast that kind of option. Yeah. It's a good point, that. Um, but he, I, I know Bowden Barrett went off early with a with a head knock. Um, but Richie Munger was kept quiet the whole game. He was virtually anonymous the whole game. Same with Sever Reese. Will Jordan took his try beautifully. Mm. But that whole back New Zealand backline were just kept so quiet. Yeah. Well, uh, and uh, I think what some of the noticeable names people talked um, a lot about James Lowe, and you know, rightly so, he had a great game. And I think he he referenced 
in his post-match chats how how much criticism he's got for his defence. And yeah, uh, and rightly so at international level, but he definitely answered his critics in that game. And the other person in the back three, Hugo Keenan, it's like... He was awesome. He was absolutely awesome. And you you have arguably the best ever fullback for Ireland in Rob Carney retire. And then you've sort of had this period where you weren't quite sure who was going to fill that shirt. There was Stockers, there was Jordan Lama, Hugo Keenan, but it's it's Hugo Keenan. He is the heir apparent. No, Hugo Keenan's not a fullback, is he? Uh, I got that wrong. I thought he was a winger who then was moved into fullback. So I think I've only really seen him at fullback. He's, I have only seen him at fullback because he, I've only ever seen him for Ireland. He's probably played early on because he's not actually that young. He's 25. Yeah. He probably early on played a bit on the wing, but I think of him as a as a fullback. So it's just a good example, isn't it, of where England fall down. I'm going to make this a little bit about England, where so many teams are able to progress. Because Ireland just don't have that many options. So you just go with the guy who is obviously a brilliant player. You don't play for Leinster unless you're a brilliant player to start with. And in the same way, you don't really play in the Premiership unless you're a very good, good player. And just give him time and let, and let him settle in. Whereas England would be liable to change him, find someone else, go back to the old guy, because they've got so many options, it actually works against them. That's why Wales can build such stability, and, well, Ireland have done this with Keenan. Just give him enough time, turn into a bloody good player. Well, it is a good point, and I, I do want to talk about Ireland a little bit more, but on the England thing, do you know how many England players have got 100 England caps? There must be a few of them. What, that are currently playing, or ever? No, ever. How many players have got 100 England caps? Uh, Farrell... Well, no, Farrell doesn't have a hundred England caps yet. Oh, good point. Just it's just England caps. Which are. is which is why he didn't lead the the team out at the weekend, and Maro Maro Itoji did with his on his fiftieth cap. Maro's on um, fifty caps already. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so hundred caps. You'll have Jason Leonard. Yeah. Um. Rob Shaw, something like that. Haskell. No, no. They must be seventies rather than hundred. I bet there's another prop. Well, Brian, no, 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 because they didn't play that many games back in the day. That's the thing. It has to be a sort of more modern day player. Yeah, don't know how. How many have uh, Ben Youngs? Ben Youngs has a hundred caps. Owen hasn't quite got a hundred caps yet. And then Courtney's got ninety-seven, I think, or ninety-two, or something ridiculous. Courtney uh, has, I think, eighty-nine or ninety. Okay. Uh, Courtney will be close with his Lions caps. He'll have another three, maybe? Five? Simon Shaw must have... No, that's not not a good guess. The answer is you've got them all. Oh, really? There are two players. There are only two players for England who've got over 100 England caps. Wow. So that does tell you that they do tend to change players quite regularly. Yeah. It it shows the options available to them. It's crazy that Martin Johnson doesn't have 100 caps. No, Martin Johnson, because he played pre-professionalism as well. Don't yeah. forget. He has 84. I can't believe he's only got 84. That's mad. Yeah. He play, He he was even played pre-lifting in the lineup. Yeah, he played pre-lifting, didn't he? He did the, where they used to just jump. Jump. Farce. What a farce. <laughs> that does look Timpot when does you look it? back. There's, wha- there's flapping <laughs> really in the air. Does. The line-out kings. Kings of the line-out. Here they go. Success rate, they? 51%. <laughs> um, yeah, the... What I wanted to, to mention for Ireland was the point that you made, Tim, actually, about the the experience coming off the bench, which was brilliant, but also the two players that you mentioned, uh, Ty Byrne and Peter O'Mahony, who forced the last two penalties, and just how yeah. good it was for Ireland when 
New Zealand were tiring when they were trying to attack and they were forced to attack to be able to bring two guys like that to slow the breakdown and win penalties. And it actually reminded me of, well, not just the game I'd previously watched, but the way that South Africa have played, bringing the bomb squad off the bench and having guys like Kitsoff and, and Vincent Cock and Malcolm Marks, who are absolute menaces around the breakdown. They are. When the opposition attack um, and rook clearers are getting tired towards the end of the game, bringing guys like that off is just a nightmare to well, play against. This is why I don't buy the whole Eddie Jones, the rook, still, uh, rook speeding up. It's speeding up because people are allowing it, allowing it to get quick. But if you're relying on rook speed of two seconds or 1.8 seconds, there are all players out there who will just ruin your ruin your entire day. Well, Easily. That, so, yeah, there, there are the players and... We'll come on to the rook speed in the England game because it was an absolute joke, mm. to, to be honest. But it was something that Ireland did brilliantly, particularly um, early on in throughout the first half and early on in the second half, was get really, really fastball for Jameson Gibson Park. Yeah, he got repeated fastball, and that's where the tries came from because they were so fast. You know, carriers getting over the game line, then one man blowing past, and then the ball is there ready. And the, the the carriers were working really hard on the floor to present. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's a few thoughts on this now, isn't there? Because uh, unbelievably, they've changed the laws around movement on the floor, which I think is just so stupid. It's such an unnecessary change. So all of your community coaches, all of your pro coaches, in fact, everyone's teaching for the longest time, you hit contact, you roll and present. And the idea behind the roll is you get people's hands off you and then you go long. Mm-hmm. So going long would be a thing. But actually... Because they, because the powers that be deemed that to be unfair, or for whatever reason it is, they decided this is not a good idea. It's now one di- dynamic movement, so they forced players now to get to the ground even quicker, probably not as aggressively. So with the roll, you could have a little bit more leeway. You could put in a leg drive. You could do all sorts of other things. Now, because it's one dynamic movement, they get the back ball back even quicker. It's absolute madness. They, and, well, it, it it led for Ireland to have some very, very good, quick attacking ball that they used yeah. excellently. And that, that's what was noticeable with Ireland, is that they really had a crack. They they backed themselves, sometimes from close to their own line, because they had that speed of the ball, and clearly an intent, where they're, they're saying, we're going to mix it up a little bit. Mm. Yes, yes, they did the, the territorial kicking game really well, and put the pressure on with a kick chase, but they, they had a go from time to time, and th- that's what I really liked about this. It's definitely by far the, the best moment of Andy Farrell's tenure, as head coach, and he's had a lot of people questioning um, how how long he'll be there and what his success could be. But I think this pointed the way to a, a confident Ireland who can have a bit of balance in the way they play. And uh, I really, really like the look of it. That said, uh, three things certain in life, death, taxes, and Ireland peaking between World Cups. <laughs> yeah, that would be a perfect time for them to get really good, wouldn't it? This is their amazing year. They'll win the Six Nations next year, two years out from a World Cup. Yes! And then... It's all downhill from there. Perfect. Well done, Ireland. <laughs> they they were class. Sorry, I should have said between. Not I should I should correct myself. I should have said not between World Cups, between World Cup quarterfinals. <laughs> yeah. When they'll make it past the quarterfinal stage this this next time round? Surely, surely they must. But then again, everyone else is getting better too. So yeah, good luck with that. Maybe, maybe New Zealand will time it right for the World Cup. Don't you worry about that. Exactly for for, for another semi final. Bless them. <laughs> that that atmosphere just looked incredible. Oh, I bet it was. I bet it was awesome. It was such a good game, this. And so many, seven, so many good performances. Sorry, Tim. So many good performances no, on no. the Island team as well. 
it's hard to there were some really good performances Uh, luke pierce i thought did a really good job although again my memory got hazier and hazier as the day went on i I can remember loads about scotland south africa i can remember (laughs) less about ireland new zealand i can remember not very much about england australia but um actually no i got my second win for england australia um but I can't remember whether it was a, an Ireland try that was given that probably shouldn't have or a, or a New Zealand try that was chalked off. So there, there were two disallowed tries and I think Luke Pearce got both of them right. They were difficult decisions. And the first one, because I, I was um, supporting Ireland in this game very much so, the first one, the Ronan uh, Kelleher try, where, well, sorry, it was the Ty Furlong try, but Ronan Kelleher double movement on the floor I yes. was cursing him when he gave that as a no trial. When he went back to look at it, it was the right call. It was definitely the right call. But I was at the time I was saying, let the boys play. Of course. The um the Akira Yuani try, um, that was also probably on balance the right call, but I think it's a bit tough because of the I think it wasn't that clear and obvious it looked yeah, exactly. probable but because the camera was at such an angle the camera's like on the halfway line looking at a, a pass basically on the 22 so it was very very difficult to definitively say but i think probably justice was done on that one as well uh, that that was the point and we kind of mentioned it last week um it the, the clear and obvious and i think there was a great example in the wales fiji game today where uh, it was lewis reese Samit's try yeah. Which I mean, I could, I could. It it looks like it. Should, we can get onto that in a bit. It looks like it shouldn't be a try, but the but the referee said, "Well, I made the call on the field, and if we're if we're debating whether or not it might have been, I've just got to go with my decision on the field because right. that's what I gave." He's absolutely right. Though. Which but which is it? Which which is what Luke Pierce didn't do. Yes, um, and I I do I kind of agree with that principle, but the, in the Lewis Rezamit one, Nick Berry was like thirty yards behind him. There is no way his perception on the field was better than the angle from the camera, so I I think I think that one should have been overturned, the Lewis Reece Summit try. Um, but anyway, the, the the weirdest one in the Island New Zealand game, and I think Lewis uh, Luke Pearce got this wrong on two counts. Now Tim, I don't know if you you will remember this, and JB you certainly won't, but there was a uh, about midfield. New Zealand start breaking down the right-hand side halfway through the second half, and New Zealand need to score a try. I think they're 10 points down at this time. The ball is passed to Will Jordan, just attacking in open play. He drops it. The ball goes backwards. The touch judge, I think it was Christoph Ridley, signals the ball goes backwards, and Luke Pearce signals the ball goes backwards. Will Jordan totally stops to the point where, uh, I think it's Andrew Porter, just takes the ball off him. And Luke Pace blows up, oh. even though there hasn't been any offence. So that is that Luke Pace makes a mistake there. He then compounds the mistake by giving New Zealand the scrum, even though Will Jordan has just basically handed the ball to, I think it was Porter, but whoever he handed it to. So he compounds his mistake by trying to correct Will Jordan's mistake. It, that should it should have been well, it should have been play on and actually uh, Porter passes it to uh, Jameson Gibson Park who's about to run in from fifty yards because he's rapid. Yeah, um, it should have been a try Island, but it ended up being a scrum New Zealand. Ridiculous! All because it would have 
taught Will Jordan a very, very valuable schoolboy lesson. Play to, to the whistle. Play to the whistle. I, yep. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It's crazy. Uh, for, for, for all the talk about um, the, these decisions from Luke Pearce, I guess the overall point which I would make is um, he really let the boys play generally. And he, he was he very had, good. He made for a fantastic game of rugby. So I don't want to take anything away from no. that. And when we saw, and when we move on to England Australia, we'll I'm sure we'll mention what um, a slightly more picky referee can do to the flow of a game. Yes. Hey, there is one other thing which I think we need to be well take note of from the international results. And I hate to take, take you down a little rabbit hole. Do you see what see what the Japan score was? Uh, they beat Portugal, didn't they, by about 15 points. Yeah, 25-38. That's bloody respectable. Mm. That's really good. For Portugal. Portugal are having a bit of a mini renaissance at the moment, aren't they? They are. Lots it of- looks... Did you see the images from the from the match? I saw some of the pictures from the game and just the beautiful orangey-red sky as the sun's going down in that lovely stadium. It, it looks like... Yeah, I mean, it looks like a... Where do they Central play? Tier two tour. Uh, that's exactly nice. right. Tim. That's exactly right. They they play some games in uh, Lisbon, don't they? I'd hope so. I'd hope. I'd really hope so. Where was this game? Isn't that all Portugal is? Though, golf resorts in Lisbon, <laughs> the Algarve in Lisbon. <laughs> that's what I understand it to be, at least. No, maybe it's a bit of uh, a bit of um, that sweet wine they make. So uh, they were in the fourth largest city. I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but it's spelled. Uh, Coimbra, Coimbra, Coimbra. Never heard. Fourth of it. largest. Sounds city. like something. Just it sounds like something near Newcastle. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> Coimbra That's, Miners. Just my north, my northern accent. Yeah, uh, a, yeah, um, a pit town just just outside the concert. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, very good. But yeah, well, it also could point to yes, you're right. And Portugal are clearly uh, coming up. At, you know, there are some teams we've been talking about in recent. Weeks like Canada, the demise, and but but Portugal are clearly on the way up. Well, Equally, it maybe j- does just highlight that Japan aren't what they were, which is a real I shame. Don't know if about that, that, you know, Tim. Like, do you know all these teams with golden generations? And Japan obviously had a very good crop of players when they went to the last World Cup and and the one before. Yeah, so we talked, we spoke about it last week, didn't we, with Ireland when all their golden players retired and they just got better. I imagine it'll be the same thing for Japan. I mean, look at uh, Georgia today. Yeah, they're on the end of a heavy loss. They had for years Gogodza, who was not replaceable. Turns out he was absolutely replaceable. And they'll just carry on replacing. And now they've got a basis of players. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll carry on improving, actually. Well, Japan did win their Rugby World Cup pool two years ago. And, uh, and, and they got absolutely pumped by a team that they beat. Yeah, their, their so, performance against Ireland was the one that worried, worries me most. Yeah, well, yeah. they don't need to win the World Cup ones. As long as you just beat Ireland in the World in Cup. In the World every, Cup. Yeah, everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And Scotland. Let's not forget they oh, beat Scotland. Seeing as, as we just mentioned uh, the, a little pit town outside Newcastle where Portugal play their home games, um, following on from last week's podcast, um, Josh Turner got in touch to give us the identity, let us know the identity of the. Newcastle University mascot. <laughs> yeah, it's good on this. Who smashed the streakers in the Northumbria University Newcastle Uni match that we got sent a video of. And it was uh, one of JB's favourites, Tim Swinson. Swinners. Absolute dominator, levelling people. In the mascot outfit. Um, and Josh got in touch. He said, uh, 
Tim Swinton was a former Newcastle alumni along with him um, and also went to the same school as Josh, uh, Arundel School, which is also the school the Curry Twins went to. Is it really? Mm. Did not know that? Yeah. No, I didn't. If, if, we're, if we're covering a tiny bit of Tier 2, did it, either of you see the Spain score? No. I, no, I didn't. What, what was it? No, I didn't. So Spain played Russia at home for Spain in Madrid, the lovely yes. um, campus stadium. And this was not an autumn international because it's actually part of the extended ah. um, European Rugby Nations Cup, Ch- whatever it is. Um, 49-12 to Spain. Oh, good. Big, good. Big win. Huge yeah. win. Ostrakov play? Uh, no, he did not. Val? Uh, mm, yes, Morozov did play. Oh, nice. Nice. Massive man. Oh, good. And good, good, Russia. Good. Yes, exactly. Our boys, our boys did the business. <laughs> so Spain and Portugal, look it up. Good. So I guess we should talk about um, a famous day for sale sharks at Twickenham. It was and on yes, this one yes. because yeah, you, you reference that four sale sharks players, uh, two on debut, Bevan Rod and Rafi Quirk. But I just just quickly mention one thing. So uh, Rafi Quirk, for, uh, Broughton Park mini rugby player junior until he got taken by the Sale Academy, mm-hmm. uh, and now he's playing for England. I'm a member at Broughton Park, it's where I take my son, and because of that, I, I got sent a little link to a, a, a Zoom link where after the game you were allowed to see, or hear, I should say, the presentation of the first cap for Rafi Quirk. Amazing. Oh, awesome. I just thought, s- such a lovely touch, wasn't it? Was this uh, that is all Broughton Park members, was it? it yeah, as, as far as I'm aware, it was basically everyone from the, and I assume Bevan Rod's um, junior club had the same thing. So, yeah, I, I because I was at Broughton Park, I got this Zoom link, and I listened in Amazing. to England, England in the changing room after the game, and the presentation of the caps and Kyle Sinclair did a little speech and gave Bevan Rod his first cap. And then Ben Youngs did a speech and gave Rafi Quirk his first cap. But I just thought unbelievable access and what a lovely thing. And it, that is, it demonstrates both how, how big of a deal it is to get your first cap generally. But secondly, how important the grassroots game is to the players that emerge at the top and the connection between the two. I just thought that was such a lovely thing. Yeah. And I, I love that. Yeah, it's great. It was really great. I would not be surprised if Bevanrod does not have a junior club. He's a Sebba lad. A lot of these lads don't tend to have junior clubs. Well, he was born in Scotland, but spent a lot of his formative years in the Isle of Man, as I understand. Oh, really? Before going to Sebba. Maybe played for Douglas, I don't know. Mm, might have done. Vagabonds. Who? Mm. Um, he, what was I saying then? Something about yeah, so I, I'm always amazed by the amount of lads that do not have junior clubs. Um, a lot of them obviously they play do. schools. Yeah, they play schools and they go straight into they go straight into a club. Mm. So like Will, uh, what's the name? Will 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 from Sale. The one Cliff. went to no, the other one. The one went to Addison. Play, he, Will Addison. Uh, Will Addison. Thank you. Okay. Um, like he was kind of semi-linked to a club, but never played senior, senior rugby for for. For that club, and they had like one, uh, one Colts game. I just think it's amazing because they miss out on so much of what rugby is if you go from school just to pro. Mm, definitely. Uh, so, you know, what was um, what was involved in, in the speech, Tim, or or some things you're not allowed to say? Um, 
No, no, no. It was, it was just, it was just kind words, and I think it was just spoken very much from the heart from Ben Youngs about his his memory of getting his first cap and what a, what a big moment it is, and how preco- you know, how precocious a talent Rafi Quirk is, and it's first of many. Uh, but it was, it was that kind of that kind of a thing. You just heard the big cheers from all the. And the applause from all the other players and stuff. It's just, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think what kind of thing I would say to Rafi if I was Ben Youngs. I'd probably say along the lines of, uh, I've seen off Robson, seen off Care, seen <laughs> off Wigglesworth. Willie Hines. Willie Hines. I ben, ben no, Spencer. Ben Spencer's gone. I, t- I got Owen Farrell to tell uh, yeah. Eddie how much, I ha- how much he hates Ben Spencer. Yeah. Look, enjoy this cat, but I tr- trust me, it's not going to last long. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't finish the story actually. So then he said, he said some nice words. Then he put Raffy's cat on the floor, and you just heard the sound of of, of we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You 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 won't be lasting long around here, pal. <laughs> um, I've just seen the end. Uh, sorry to before we just very briefly before we get onto the England Australia game. I've just seen the end of Portugal versus Japan. So. Portugal were six points down. Yeah, they're attacking, and they throw an intercept try after the 80th minute. So J- Japan end up winning by uh, however many points it was, 13 points, yeah. because of a last minute intercept try. That if it goes the other way, Portugal win the game. Wow! Oh, see, there's more to rugby than just the top level internationals. There is, and we have covered a lot of it up to this point. <laughs> England, Australia. England, Australia. Yeah, well, well, firstly, that was the sort of story in the build-up, wasn't it? Joe Marler missed out, um, so Bevan Rod was on the bench, um, and then uh, Ellis Genge goes out. Bevan Rod to be starting. He did all right, didn't he? So he, he, well, only, he, did. he only joined up with the squad on Thursday. He had yeah, one, tra- one training session. Do you know what I do like about Eddie Jones? There's lots of things I don't like, but there's one thing I do really like. If you're in a squad, you play. He doesn't go back on his squad. He doesn't say, right, we're down 86 loose head props. Um, you know, if you're in his squad, you're there to play. And Bevan was well, there. He didn't call up um, Vunipola. Could have gone well, numerous ways. So Vunipola was in France with, on holiday with his family. Slash signing contracts. Or signing contracts. Yeah, yeah for Toulouse or, or whoever. And, and because of that, and I, I found out about this, because I think Harry Williams and Alec Hepburn are another couple who would have been considered. They were away as well. And... The thing is, the reason they couldn't then join the squad, even had Eddie Jones wanted to, is they hadn't been doing the regular testing protocol. What a waste oh, okay. of time. So they're outside then? Just Yeah, I mean, outside of their so eco stupid. bubble or whatever they call it. Well, what, one of my big bugbears bug this week, I don't know if either of you saw the pre-match press conference, not the day of the the game, but about two days before the game when Eddie named his squad or named his um, 23, the, there was 10 minutes of questioning from the press to Eddie Jones. And I think I think I counted two questions about rugby. It was, it was nine and a half minutes, que- basically the same question from 10 different people. It's astonishing, people isn't it? On COVID. You've got one... so boring. You've got one of the most interesting rugby coaches in the world in front of you, about to play a game, and you want to ask about COVID. Are you insane? Are you nuts? What... What question can you ask about COVID, which is going to further on that? Why? I don't even want you to talk about COVID. I don't even want you to talk about COVID. I don't want COVID news from rugby journalists. It was the same question as well. It was so frustrating. So you you had 10 minutes of Eddie Jones. Yeah, one of the the great minds who is, he's 
starting, he's captain at 12, who's a fly half. He's starting the mercurial Marcus Smith. There was one question about those two. Yeah, and was it, was it, what does it mean for Marcus Smith to be <laughs> yeah. here? Oh, yeah, he hates it. Oh, he he hates it. So, yeah. And also, were there any Emma Raducanu questions? Uh, there wasn't then. There was, uh, there, there, obviously, there was the bit of the... Um, the Raducanu gate. The reaction. She's untouchable, isn't she? You can't say anything about <coughs> Emma Raducanu. You say anything about Emma, Emma Raducanu. People dead. went for him on that. People went for him on that, didn't they? This is one of the things I dislike. Just this is just like the discourse in the world at the minute. But do you think he knows about he's, it? Like, do you think he knows that people went for him about it? because he's not on Twitter? Like, do oh, you think, I don't know. Maybe maybe he doesn't think, even well, no, know. He, he must have. He must have known because it was in all the newspapers. It was. He says he doesn't all read. Yeah, he says he doesn't read newspapers. He says he doesn't read them. He he knew about it enough that he sent her a letter to clarify yeah. what he meant. Okay. Yeah, so that is a good did, point. But but what I would what I was going to say is the, the people just love to leap to the worst possible interpretation of anything anyone says. I mean, you know, the fact he was comparing Emma Raducanu to the most precocious rugby player probably in the world right now tells you everything you need to know about what he thinks about Emma Raducanu. He, he thinks she's one of the most precocious athletes on the planet. She must do, because that's the comparison that he's making. And, like, for all these people to get on their high horses, say, oh, well, how can he possibly say it would affect her? What? Like, can you imagine going to the Met, the, the Met Gala? Can you imagine being 18 and then two years later, or however old she is now, being just swamped in this publicity? You'd be mad to think it doesn't affect her. Yeah. Well, yeah, and her, her agency that she's... That was the same people that signed Maria Sharapova when she first won Wimbledon age, what, 17 or whatever it was. Mm. Um, the, 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 the person who's her agent now said, quote, yeah, we're cashing in. And uh, Eddie That's Jones fine. may have a Good. point in the sense that... Which is absolutely right, but uh, the, the bit I saw that made me go, no, 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 I think this might be what, what Eddie Jones means. Not that he's saying don't do it, just, you know, be... You need to be aware of the potential pitfalls. She's um, advertising Sports Direct. Really? I mean, it's, it's not all. It's not all Armani and Gucci and uh, and. Um, I mean, I some, some, sometimes you've got Swarovski, to... whatever. Yeah. She's doing Sports Direct as well. Yeah, and the massive cups. Some, sometimes you're drinking Paul Roger <laughs> at, the, at the Met Gala, and sometimes you're drinking white wine out of a pint glass in a pub just outside Newcastle. Yeah, in a pit town called with, Coinage. With, with Mike Ashley. Coinbra. Um, <laughs> or sometimes, yeah, you sometimes you like a pint and a half of tea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I just found, I found the whole thing absolutely ridiculous. And here's the thing, it's the forced ignorance from some of the writers and journalists and people that cover this thing. Because... What they should have done is they should have tried to understand what Eddie Jones was trying to say. Because he's a high-performance individual. He's been around many top athletes, not just rugby. You might have learned something. If you if you tried to take what he said in good faith and tried to understand what he meant by what he was saying, you'd have come away learning more. But the fact that they just wanted to cause co- controversy... And, of course, it is quite funny that Emma Raducanu might snub an invite to Twickenham. Like, who cares? <laughs> Well, he also he forgot her name, and some people somehow made that into a massive. Oh snub. my god! Did you hear when he called the young lady? Uh, so the young the young girl, a young girl. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe what I was hearing. So uh, just absolute craziness. So we know everything we need to know about what he thinks about Emma Raducanu. Yes, we know everything we need to know about. Uh, COVID. About, yeah, the COVID protocol. <laughs> oh, um, God, we know so... very little about covering the game. So why don't we talk about the actual game? Yes. Yeah. Although... Well, and, and, start, and starting with 
uh, Marcus Smith, and I'm I'm just going to put it out there. Not only could Smith Farrell be like a new lethal weapon style buddy cop movie, young, precocious, maverick talent who doesn't do things in a conventional way, and then the old stager who's yeah, too old. Know, goes by the goes by the book. I'm too no, old for this no. shit. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's, exactly. he's like he's only three weeks away from pension. I'm not doing this. <laughs> exactly. I'll find one more case. Uh, <laughs> yeah. World Cup 2023. Uh, so that combination on paper just looks like it has a natural balance that could be a what would it film? What would it be called? Film serious film. cop. Serious cop. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to put it out there. I think it could work. You know, from what I saw against Australia. I mean, I don't see how two phenomenally t- talented players playing together could ever work but <laughs> yeah I think you're right I think you're right I I think it could work and uh, what was it six minutes into the game when uh, the two of them combined to put Stewart through the through that enormous hole and he just steps and glides around Kirtley Beal under the sticks that I think is the biggest it's not the debut he's not a debut for him is it but that for me is the most exciting young player on that field I think he is I don't know what his leadership quality is like but I can see him being there for years. I can see him being a captain. I really can. I, I can see him being there for years. Because he, he is so good and so composed under the high ball. He's, and he does have that side of things to his game as well. He, he's uh, This is no joke. He's Israel Falawesque. The way he gets in the air is just phenomenal. And it helps when you're six foot five. It does. Well, just like Izzy. Just like Izzy. Just like Izzy. Yeah. And, you know, someone, not, not the tallest fullback ever, of no. course. Uh, that is the Canadian fella. Is it Mike Pike? Mike Pike. Yes, get in. Six or seven. Yeah, Mike Pike. Uh, <laughs> Good knowledge. Somebody, somebody made the reference to Chris Larkham back in the day. Chris Larkham? Chris Latham. Latham, yeah. Now, so I mentioned that a while yeah, ago. Yeah, maybe it was you actually. Yeah. I like that comparison. Yeah. Because he's, he's a powerful runner as well. Long range runner. He's a big boy. He's over 100 kilos, but which does help when you're... Well, you're kind of always over 100 kilos when you're 6'5". Yep. <laughs> and that's just thin as a rake. Chris um, Larkin would have been he would have been a serious player. I mean, he was a good player, but he would have been incredible if he just pulled his socks up. Yeah, if only. If no, only. socks down. Socks down for Latham. Yeah. Do you reckon Latham's like top five all-time fullback? He's up there, isn't he? I don't know if he's ever... Because he, he was at the time when there was, there was, was him, him Matt, Burke. Matt Burke. Yeah. I wonder how many caps he got. I reckon Latham's got... well. Back in the day, sixty caps. So that's a good. That's a good. That is a, caps. That would be a good. Let's have a look. I'm sure he had some injuries as well. Forty six. So he was six foot four, just shy of hundred kilos as his listed weight. He had. He had bloody hell. He had seventy eight Australia caps. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I, I think Stewart is is best fullback ever. No, I'm not having no. that. No, 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 no. Top five. JPR Williams, Serge Blanco. Nobody before professionals. Jason. Ro- Jason Robinson. Jason Robinson not a great Jason fullback. Ro- uh, he's still Christine amazing. Cullen. Chris, yeah, Cullen. It, I loved Cullen. Yeah, you, I don't count anyone in pre-professional area because it's just a different. I mean, it's just a different sport. It's just completely. And I'm not entirely Rob sure. Carney. I'm not entirely sure you can even say that the guys now would be better in the in the amateur era because I don't know how successful they'd be at being a dentist and also a rugby player. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not the same thing, is it? So, yeah, but, Rob Carney. When we watched back last summer, when we watched back the 2009 Lions. The first test, Rob Carney's performance is one of the all-time best yeah. uh, fullback performances. Uh, is that South African Lions? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Because it was it was Lee Byrne. Was it Lee Byrne? Lee Byrne's to lose. And that's exactly what he did. He, he lost yeah. it to Rob Carney. Yeah. yeah Lee Byrne was, was brilliant amazing. at the time. Carney just as a young but man. But you're right. To, to the level that we got excited about uh, Maru Itoji when he came in and thought, this is 
this is this shirt sewn up for the next decade. Yeah, you, I, you can't help but think the same thing with Freddie Stewart. But there, there is also competition, which which is good. And Eddie Jones has spoken about how much he, how much, how much competition there is, and how much he likes having competition for the shirt to keep people hungry. And I think Max Malins, if he gets a, a shot at it, he will look amazing. And I think Furbank will be it. He's not at his best year or so, but prior to that, he was amazing, and he will put pressure on that shirt as well. Yeah, I also think Furbank. Three different players too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good, though, is it? Ah, they can I, mean, do, I know they can it, do different it should, things. It should be good. I mean, you should be really happy with it. But it goes back to the Hugo Keenan thing. Maybe just having one of them would be better. Yeah, that that is a problem. But I, I think I think you're right, Tim. Stewart, he has certainly for now got that shirt sewn up. Mm. Now, what what was interesting? Did you see the Eddie Jones archaic numbers comment? He wants the numbers to be for the individual. Well, you st- pick he, at the start of the season. Yeah, he just comment commented on that in, in some sports you just pick a number at the start of the season and it's irrelevant but he's kind of making the point that why certainly in the backs forwards less so or certainly type five less so where type five you're there doing a job mm. but in the backs what what purpose does the number 12 or the number 13 or the number 14 have i mean in the same way that like if all football teams, uh, football soccer teams, just had a four-four-two historic formation, these days you'd think that was archaic. You you would have think that was archaic if they just all operated four-four-two. Yeah, so I think rugby is a lot more structured game. There again, the most structured game on earth is probably NFL, and they mix up their numbers. I think rugby league mixes up their numbers too. Do they not? Or do... I think they do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they, they don't. They don't they, just have one to thirteen. No, they, but they should do. And the reason I think they should do is because it just helps. It helps with everything. Watching the game, pitch pitch geography, understanding who's popping up where. You know, if you just have a guy in an All Blacks kit running down the wing, you might think it's a winger. But actually, it's important that you do know that's that that's the hooker. It's important because you can also identify the shapes of what the players are doing. Say if they're doing like one three three one across the field or two 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 or whatever the thing is. I think that is important. So I did think about what he said, and I, in some ways I kind of like it, but in the other in another way I don't because doesn't it not encourage individuality within the team? So that is my number. Ben Youngs might always want the number twenty four or number twenty three for whatever reason it is, and really just you know you want to win the nine shirt. Yeah, I, I think he's not saying he's definitely not trying to um, put people off competing for that jersey, but it's more the it's the patterns. When you watched England in this game, Farrell wearing twelve was often the first receiver, mm. put it out the back yep. to Marcus as the second receiver to give Marcus Smith more time. Manu wearing fourteen was he off- was not on the wing at all. He was very rarely on the wing. He was often defending in the centres. Slade was often uh, actually as an auxiliary fullback, similar to Farrell was sometimes as an auxiliary fullback. Stewart was popping up in the centre, and I think there's, it's not the, it's not taking the competition away. It's just showing more fluidity and that the, yeah. the, what you should. I guess the point that I would want to take from it is. What you should expect from a 12 is not what you've always expected from a 12. Yeah. What you would expect from a winger is not what you would always expect from a winger historically. But the fact that he's wearing the 12 shirts just makes it easier for me to actually work out what he is doing. Well, and that's what I would say. So Slade was wearing the 13 shirt. 
he mostly played in back three in this game. Yeah, and swapped with Manu. Did you get confused then? Uh, no, because I would I would he say was steaming. I would point out that that's really <laughs> I point out that that's really interesting. I point out, look, uh, once again, Slade, Slade is on the wing, mm. and the numbers would just help would just help me confuse uh, sorry, help me confuse that <laughs> help me compute that. Whereas if they just had no numbers, it'd be hard to know have they actually switched full time. You know what you know what's going on here. Now I'm, I'm I think the numbers are important. I did consider it, and I think if they had another mechanism, like literally writing the position on their back. <laughs> we'll go for it. But, uh, well, I, I I did quite like we spoke about it the other week when Fiji announced their squad and they had lock slash back row, <laughs> yeah. center slash wing, fly half slash center. But, I quite like that. Yeah, but another good example of what you're saying is Curry eight. Other than yeah, yeah, you know, doing stuff at the back of the scrum, it's just a back row position. Yeah, really outside the scrum, and that that's certainties like New Zealand. Other than in the scrum and the line out, basically you've had. Dane Coles or Cody Taylor or Kieran Reid who pop up in that 13 channel and operate like 13. Yeah. Like Ardy Svea does it brilliantly. Well, they're not popping up there. They're stationed they're, there. They're, yeah, that's they, yeah. where they're meant to be. Yeah, they, they they play in a way that structures to give them space in the outside channel. In the same way that um, no other hooker I can think of has ever fielded kicks in the deep like Scout Brits. Yeah. Scout and Brits, he yeah. would be there as a, as a deliberate uh, receiver in the deep because of his running game. Yeah, which uh, it was. It's still astonishing to think of Harry it. Thacker how could good he give out a good goal? Thacker could do that. Yeah, and I mean Jamie Blamere four tries in four tests. Ran, ran one in uh, from fifty five yards. In what four? of it? What of it? Oh, sorry, five, five in, four. in four. Yeah, it's scored in five, four. He's a, he's a try vending machine. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And he and I think Jamie George got a knock, so he would probably end up starting. He could do. Uh, now, there is another aspect of this game which I want to talk about, which, um, and not that we really spoke about the game, but still, um, which is, did you see the footage, I know we've already done something similar to this, but Oliver Hoskins getting his cap. Yes. That was so yeah, cool. lovely. It was so, so cool. Yeah. I didn't even know he was Australian until I saw that video. Yeah. So is that the London Irish prop? It's awesome. It's so nice to see. And it, did you see as well, friend of the pod, Mark Atkinson, the video of him on the phone to his dad. I did not, actually. That is an emotional video. I, I encourage you to go and watch it. Uh, I think England Twitter... Um, I, don't deal well, I don't deal well with emotion. I'm too masculine. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you might not deal well with yeah, it. Yeah, so I, I avoid it. Really, really good. Really good to watch. Yeah. Uh, at this point... I, 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 was, I was encouraged. I think the game was scrappy, not... That not as entertaining it could be. I think Jaco Piper had a big part in that. Bearing in mind, as well as Marcus Smith on one side, you've got James O'Connor, who, as an attacking ten, you won't find people more willing to have a crack than than James O'Connor in no. world rugby. And somehow this turned into a really stuttery, frustrating game. And I I put that partly at the door of Jaco Piper because the, we, you said you were going to mention the breakdown in terms of the England Australia game. Yeah. And I, I do put it partly at uh, Jaco Piper, but actually more at the two teams. And I, I think Ang Piper uh, set his stall out to be strict around the breakdown and neither team learnt from it. And both teams, and Australia were worse, definitely. In numbers, they were worse. They gave away twice as many. I think it was 9 to 18, the count that I saw. 9 for England and 18 penalties given away by Australia um, but they they were so many 
simple brain-dead penalties, including, I think each team gave away at least two of the blocking the kicker from a box kick, which uh, Bevanrod gave one away in the first three minutes, which uh, James O'Connor slotted. And then it happened multiple times by both teams throughout the game. That is just brain-dead. If you know the touch judges and the referee are going to be picking up a blocking line when you're jogging back to um, to pick up a kick, don't do it and give multiple penalties away. In the same way that in at the side or not supporting your body weight or just lying on the floor on the wrong side of the rook, if Piper sets his stall out that he is going to be strict around that and you keep infringing, you've kind of only got yourself to blame. And I think Australia... I was disappointed at how many dull penalties they gave away because it did mean the game was very, very stop-start and we didn't see anything like the best of either team because of it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, England left a couple... And if England had been clinical in the way that Ireland were, England left some chances out there. They, They could and very realistically should have put 50 on Australia, which is not good for Australia. Yes, they should have done. Jamie George should have scored that try. Um, Brilliant from Nick White, wing commander Nick White. It was amazing. It was amazing to to read it and to hit him from the side in that manner. Um, and there, there was other there were other opportunities where they kind of fluffed their lines close to Australia's close to Australia's line. Um, and yeah, it's with Australia. I don't know. They've they've lost two very important players for this tour in Quade Cooper and Samu Karevi. But they've also got players back for this tour that they otherwise wouldn't have had, and they certainly didn't have when they beat South Africa twice. Uh, Guys like um, Rory Arnold and Will Skelton would be fairly handy when you're playing against South Africa, and they did it without them. And someone like Curtly Beale, such an experienced player, and still, he didn't have his best game, but still such a good operator. Um... So it's not all down, but this this was just all round a poor performance by Australia. It was, it was almost I was watching it thinking they were so happy to give penalties away, spoiling the rook. It was almost like they didn't want to play. All they wanted to do was just try and disrupt and spoil the game rather than try and play to beat England. Yeah, and that's strange actually because I always think of um, can't remember his name now, the coach of Australia, Rennie. Thank you, Dave Rennie. As a pretty attack-minded coach, actually. Yeah. You don't think of him as you know a Gatland or someone with some sneaky plan to ruin a game. Well, that, that's what he's been doing with Australia, and that's how they beat South Africa twice and beat New Zealand, is by letting the boys play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very New Zealand style, style of playing, very New zealand mentality. Personally, I don't like it, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you would have loved this game, then. By the way, did you see Marcus Smith get absolutely smashed by uh, pa- Paisami? Paisami, yes. Ooh. I did. Love that. And do you know what I loved even more? Well, actually, Paisami, he probably should have had a HIA for yeah. that. Because he, it was his head on Smith's shoulder. So, uh, are you familiar with the work of a podcaster called Jocko Willink? Yes. You've mentioned him. Ex, ex-Navy SEAL. Yes. Mo- motivational, yeah. just kind of mindset one guru. Of, one of my favourite things that he says is normal face. So if you're getting battered at jiu-jitsu or, you know, you're in a, a, bit, a, you know, a bit of bother, just show off your normal face. Like, it's just not bothering you, even though it is. No, just normal face. And 
I thought Marcus Smith had the best normal face yeah. after getting absolutely smashed by uh, Payasami. He ran his fingers through his amazing yeah. hair and normal. just like shakes it <laughs> off or struts back to next job. Normal face. Yeah. You just mentioned hair. Can I? Can, let me just mention hair. Do you think the whole mullet thing is just? We, we've gone too far now. Yes. Rob, Rob, Rob Liotta's mullet is ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. It's absolutely ridiculous. Rob Valentini has incredible hair. Best hair since Radiki Samo. Wow. It looks like a... It looks like a what's that? Uh, anime. It looks uh, like yeah. an anime character. Like, manga. Manga. Dragon Ball Z. It, it's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Well, you say ridiculous. Ridiculous is Bradley Roberts. Bradley Roberts Rob- has... <laughs> The most stupid hair in history. So Rob Liotta's hair is similar to Bradley Roberts. Wow. Um, I think these mullets. I think these mullets are a consequence of these COVID bubbles that they've had to have, and they're just bored out of their mind. And this is how they pass the time, <laughs> just making themselves look as ridiculous as possible. It's a weird but thing for rugby just... players as well, because rugby players are famously harsh and brutal to each other. Yeah. So like, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't go wear cowboy boots on night out with rugby lads because they're, <laughs> what are you wearing? Like, it's all very self-regulated, but somehow they get but they it, get away with the hair. It's like it's like the Trump thing. If you do if you do so if you're so um, ludicrous that you just become immune to any criticism because yeah. there is so much that yeah. you can criticize someone for like the the tom dunn reverse uh oh, reverse that's incredible mullet what I, i've no idea how to describe it it was a it was a backwards high and tight that's right so he's done that for charity <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair um, play to him but, but that, that still means he's walking around bath he does he's it, popping into popping into waitrose to get some well, uh Tender, tender stem broccoli with that hair. <laughs> so and he, and he just struts around, no, and no one people look at him and think, okay, fine, <laughs> right? That, they just that's weird thing about rugby players. And simultaneously, everyone worships them, particularly in Bath. Yeah, and will never say your hair looks stupid. But then they've also got the change room banter when everyone tells you you're stupid. You are stupid, even though even though you're not, <laughs> everyone will be telling you that you're stupid. You mentioned normal face, Curtly Beale, so. This game, he didn't have his best game, which I said before, but he he made a few errors. But every time the camera panned to him, he had this like red resting, uh, aggrieved like like <laughs> the, the referee is offended. Like every decision, he could not possibly believe that the decision could go that indignant way. Indignant face, yeah, resting, resting indignant, resting bigger, resting bigger face. But yeah, <laughs> but I I was actually looking at him late on in the game. I'm sure he's had his eyebrows plucked. Ooh. I'm sure he used to have bushier eyebrows, and they're now like shaped, and they're almost shaped into an angle, like up and then down angle, so that he can't help but yeah, look. So this is <laughs> aggrieved every single time. So this is an idea that I heard of a long time ago. I loved it, but getting your eyebrows plucked so you got a slightly raised eyebrow, so you always look interested. So like when your wife is boring you with like ridiculous stories. You know, <laughs> you see that so much. You see that so much on nights out because I, I don't understand why some women do this, but they do and whatever. Each to their own. It's not my business, but they shave their. Some women, quite a lot of women, in fact, shave their eyebrows off completely or wax them off and draw them on. Yeah, and you see it quite often on a night out where they just draw them a bit too high and people are just <laughs> look constantly surprised. Yeah, exactly, and, that, and, that, and that's why you think they're interested in what you're saying, and they're not. They're absolutely not. They've got interested eyebrows. <laughs> But maybe that was what Curtly Beale was going for. Yes, maybe. He's got a really boring wife and he <laughs> <laughs> no, 
imagine that. that. That's why JB's talking about um, niche level eight rugby at, exactly. uh, as the first thing on the podcast because he's been out to a bar, chatted to some woman about uh, Huddersfield, and she and he, oh uh, she seemed really on, interested. I'll hang on, that's not true. <laughs> Plymouth Albion run when this week beat Chinna, mate. Did they? Yeah, Albion are Albion are up up to stuff. I'm telling you now. Nice, mm. loving it. But no, you are absolutely right, Tim. I think we should do more lower-level rugby, not less of it, more. (laughs) Exclusively lower-level rugby. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, I'll tell you what, as you were saying that you you don't like it when when games are fluent and stuff, JB, and you like it when it's uh, a bit more fractious and when there's more more structure, not less I like less balance. Structure. I like balance. That's what I like. Yeah. Well, I think there was, there was quite a good balance when you look at the two teams jumping over to Scotland versus South Africa. Because mm. Scotland, Scotland played some crazy rugby. Yeah. And it paid off at, at times. And South Africa did their boa constrictor impression and just slowly squeezed the life out of Scotland and eventually killed them, inevitably. Yeah, and you know, the first half was very competitive. Very mm. competitive. And I tell you what, Stuart Hogg looks like a different player for Scotland to what he is for Exeter. For Exeter, he's merely good. For Scotland, he's godlike. And you, know, you can see what it means to him. Like, he went yeah. over those two tries and he's just, he loves it. Absolutely loves it. And he was, I was a bit unsure when he was made captain a couple of years ago. Absolutely mm. the right decision. Yeah. He, he's been He's been so good for them he's so passionate and this you, you hear him afterwards it hurts every time Scotland lose and this is a game that they were in it they were definitely in it till half time and if it weren't, wasn't for the early try the Mpimpi tried just after half time and then a couple of um, Jacqueline penalties um, one from Kitsoff one from Malcolm Marks Scotland would have been in this right to the end, as it happened, they weren't. They were just suffocated out of it. Now we're not going to talk about this game, are we? Without the pre-match comments of a certain Hamish Watson, <laughs> absolutely so I, firing shots there. I didn't see it, but tell, tell me what he said. So allegedly, and I didn't see us live, but allegedly he said uh, in the Lions, uh, I was fortunate enough to play with players and coaches who showed us exactly how not to play against South Africa. <laughs> now that would have been bloody cool had he have won. But it, well, it, he didn't win, so yes. he, needs, he needs to shut his mouth a bit. Although he was on the bench, wasn't he? Yeah. Which was interesting. They started Nick Haining for mass, presumably, because he's about two stone heavier than the big old Hamish boy. Watson. But hang on, I thought Hamish Watson was big enough to play in any position, anywhere, at any time. Anywhere in the world. That's exactly what I was told by all the Scotland fans. <laughs> and should you ever question Hamish Watson's size, even compared to Nick Haining, uh, it's worse, I've heard this, it's worse than saying bad things about Emma Raducanu. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad. But, you know, on, on Scotland, you know, 
they are a team now. I think they are missing maybe two world class players. They are the international version of Gloucester three years ago. They're missing some depth as well. Yeah, I'm not that bothered about their depth to be honest. I just think they need two like some re- two really really good operators probably in the forwards because I bet they look around that change room and they think yeah we, we we've got this we've got the talent to go out and beat most teams. Their top end talent when Finn and Stuart Hargor you know, tearing up trees as good as anyone. I mean Finn Russell is as good as anyone. Stuart Hogg is as good well, as anyone. Yeah. Uh, so and I think well, they believe those they two in particular. Anyone. Those two in particular, and a little bit of X Factor on the wing with uh, Iron Do, um, for example, m- means that Scotland, as much as we always talk about midfield combinations for England and, oh, we need a, an attacking player and we need someone with a distribute, Scotland seem to be able to just put up and down centres who mm. are just real solid, straight north-south kind of players. And they and yet, they seem to play this great brand of rugby. It well, doesn't I, seem to bother them. Chris Harris, right? So Chris Harris would, I, I think it's fair to say, would never play for England. Now that's not because he's not good enough. He just doesn't have the, the sort of highlighty type qualities that you need for England. But then they throw him in for Lions. He's bloody brilliant. He's mm. one of the best defensive centres on the planet. In fact, he's probably the closest thing in the world to Lacano Am. Yeah, not a, far off. Yeah, a phenomenal player. Would never get picked up by England because you know the system's not broken. It's just different. Yeah, although. Um, Mark Atkinson getting yeah. his shout for England I mean it, that does give everyone hope at 31 to uh, to get that opportunity yeah had Mark Atkinson been playing for almost any other team he'd have 20-30 caps but any, yeah any other nation Northern, Northern Hemisphere nation I might have yes which isn't France <laughs> well France uh, about about five years ago maybe yeah probably France now maybe not not so much not so much yes uh, yeah, just brutal South African stuff is the way I'd describe this. Yeah. And did you see, Tim, you mentioned the, the um, Finn Sanity. In the first half, he picks up a ball. So Scotland are under the pump in their own 22. It's an exit play. He picks up the ball, shapes to kick, and instead of kicking, passes to Ian Do, who has three... He's on his own on the wing with three South African defenders right in front of him. Oh, so it's a fair fight. And then he beats all of them and goes like 50 metres. And he's like, it looked like totally, totally the wrong call. It just happened to be the right one because Finn did it. Uh, Finn knows stuff. He just knows things. He does. He does. Yeah, uh, tough on this. If Scotland would beat South Africa, doing Australia and South Africa in the same bench of awesome internationals would be brilliant. Who have they got next? Uh, Good question. Let me tell you. Scotland. Scotland. They play Japan Ooh. next week. Excellent. A replay of that uh, deciding pool game. What a game that was. What yeah. a game that was. And I, th- I think they will win this one. Hey, before we go on to... Um, before we go on to... Um, I wonder I wonder if in the next week Scotland will try and have the game called off. <laughs> Hurricane. <laughs> or ty- typhoon incoming. <laughs> Yeah, Mark Dodson loves something. Right? Have I told you about the Lamborghini that parks in that parks in the uh, in, around Media City? No, I don't think there so. There is a Lamborghini that parks in Media City um, by Virgin Active, and its number plate is SRU One. <laughs> and I can only assume it is Mark Dodson from his massive bonus. <laughs> he earns enough to to yeah. afford a Lamborghini. I mean, it's in his pay. It's in his, it's in his pay bracket, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. 
So, Peter who emailed said, just on the subject of centres, and you mentioned Lacanio Ermi, just said, Am and Dialande, best Sarah pe- uh, centre pairing on earth. It is. He, yep. They were, real, they were a real point of difference from. They're incredible. Well, from pretty much every team they play. And the, the fact that they are so settled. They know each other inside out. They've played together so much. Makes them even better. Trust in defence, all that sort of nonsense. Yeah. And they're both younger than I think they are. How old do you think they are? 27, I'd say. Well, I'd, I'd say early 30s. Oh, OK. But um, Diolande's 29, Lucano Arm's 27. Loads of money still to be made. So they've got at least one more World Cup between them. I've said Lucano Arm is made for the top 14. Made for it. Yes. I can see him... Ah, I could see him doing great, great things there. Anyway, um, as we've got to do this from an international point of view, can I talk about an international fly half? You can. AJ McGinty is leaving Sale Sharks. Yeah. In one of the. How most... are you, JB? You're all right. No, I'm not all right, up, actually. Mate. Well, no, to be honest, I'm delighted. I am delighted. Because uh, AJ is going to go and make hundreds of thousands of pounds at Bristol. And that is more important than him showing up at the AJ Bell, in my opinion. And more important than him sitting in the gantry with you. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, for, you know, I, I think a lot of people at Sale will miss AJ McGinty a lot because he's such a good bloke. Um, he is genuinely one of rugby's good guys, but he's not dead. He's just gone to, mer- <laughs> but he's just, he's just gone to earn. Pro- well, as I understand it, it's in the region of half a million quid, including all bonuses and whatnot. That's that is crazy, isn't that's it? That's 10% of their playing squad. Correct. They, they can afford nine other of him, yeah. pl- plus their two, um, two uh, what are they called, marquee players. So the marquee players have gone forward in, so that's fine. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I've never... He, so he's basically getting Nathan Hughes' contract. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're probably right there, Tim. Yes. I, I think they're probably going to just recycle the money. I... If he was going to be my marquee player, I'd pay, I'd pay him that. I wouldn't otherwise. I, I just don't think it's smart. It's not smart. You've got to be careful what you say here. It's not a criticism of AJ McGinty. It's no, a criticism he's, of... he's brilliant. Yeah, salary cap management. Yes. And this is a terrible, terrible decision. Yeah. Because how much... Like, Phil says you can have nine of them. Yeah. And that's it. You're done. Yeah. And, and I think Bristol are in a hole here, and they can't think of a way to get out of it other than spend money. And also, the... No. the if you have nine, well, you obviously can't have nine of them because then with your two marquee players, you only get 13, 13 guys. Yeah, you might go mid table in Super League. You are going to create this position with the haves and the have nots because you, you well, need. Yeah, I was just thinking that, Phil. Exactly. I was just, I've, I've not been to Bristol's training ground, but I imagine, I imagine when I do go there or, or if any of us go there, the car park must look ridiculous. You'll have, yes. Like, one, on one side, footballers' cars, yep. and on the other side, baggers. Yeah. yeah. Well, presumably. The guys who paid that much don't even drive themselves, do they? They need to get <laughs> valet service. Well, they could they could maybe borrow, Helipad. borrow Helipad, the yeah. uh, borrow the Cockermedia Learjet oh, for, for a day or two. How is the Learjet, Tim? <laughs> oh, it's in for servicing at the minute. Oh, wonderful! wonderful. <laughs> that's why I'm staying. That's why I'm not there in person. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not getting a train. No, I'm waiting for the I'm, waiting for the waiting for the plane. And why should you? You're you're just like um, who 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 is the DJ that got the helicopter? The, oh. You know What's what his mean? name? Dan. Um... He's got an Italian name. Oh, Zanetti. Oh, he's got an Italian name. <laughs> no, Tom Zanetti. Tom Zanetti. Tom Zanetti, <laughs> Tom Zanetti of podcasting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It will, it, it will absolutely be Lamborghini, Range Rover. I think uh, Randrandra's got a, 
V8 Mustang. Has he? Yeah. Nice. Um, and then Charles there'll be... Charles has got a personalised number plate. I know that. It was has he? P1 Sir Charles. T-A-U something or other. Yeah. P- P- P14. I mean... Yeah. T- T4U, something like that. I- I'd be great if AJ own has a lot of success. And I'm sure he will have success. I'm sure he'll be very good for them. I don't... I think at Bristol Law, I can't believe that they can afford that kind of money. And also, what they're going to do with Sheedy? Is he going back to Wales? Sounds like it. Sounds like he must be. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, he will play. He will play a lot of games. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be around between Six Nations. But and I wonder what Sound Sharks will do. More the point. They've got to bring someone in. The yeah. rumor. The, Go on. The rumor that I heard was um, looking at bringing a boy back to the northwest. A boy back to the northwest. Danny Cipriani. No. Mark Atkinson. No. Damn it. Um, uh, oh, George Ford. George Ford. I, I can tell you right now, that's not happening. That's not a I, real. That's not a real thing. I would be astonished if they did. Yeah, well, it's, de- it's definitely a real thing. They're definitely talking to him because Alex Anderson said that, didn't he? Okay, mm. let me tell you exactly what's going on here. In my, in my, George hum- Ford is is maximising his pay oh, increase from Leicester. Sale have made no secret about it. They've wanted George Ford forever. Every time he's been available, they've tried to get him. Before, they didn't have the means, and now Sale definitely do have the means. They definitely have the means. They can bring him on if they want. Um, the, the reason I don't think it's going to happen... Uh, so, sorry, just to clear this bit up. So when they say they've been talking to him, they've been talking to him for five years. Like, it, they've never stopped talking to him. They all, always wanted George Ford. That has been, like, their goal. No, but you're, you're now... Um, the, the, the rules have changed. Do you remember when it was always January 1st, um, you are allowed to start speaking to players, and it yeah. was always a bit of a joke, like... Mm. Clearly, the conversations were having happening beforehand, but no one was saying conversations are happening. Now, if you're in the final year of your contract, you can talk to players. Yeah, at any po- at any point within that year. So I think Sale have said, yeah, yeah, well, of course we've spoken to him. And uh, George, if you're George Ford, you'll speak to, especially when you've got a contract to negotiate a potential extension. <laughs> you'll you'll talk to everybody. And Montpellier have been on the phone to him. Apparently, you'll listen to all offers because mm. that's going to help Why not give have, you the yeah. best leverage. Why anyway. not have the conversation? Why not have the conversation? Yeah. Now, here's why I always think it's a bit of nonsense, right? He plays, and this is a hard... Some people disagree with this, but who I consider to be the biggest club in England, probably the biggest club in Europe, they're up there, right? He's already at that level. He's already the highest paid player at Leicester, and Leicester are the only people that could make him a marquee player. Yeah, I believe he's on somewhere in the region, certainly pre-pandemic, of around 700k. Mm-hmm. That's a huge amount of money by anyone's stretch. So Leicester could keep him, they could marquee him, or he could go, go to France. To take 700k out of his salary cap, we just spoke about um, uh, about AJ. Now, I think maybe in so, in, on some metrics, uh, Ford, Ford, is, Ford is better than AJ. In other metrics, AJ is better than Ford. But there's not 200k's worth of difference there. There's not 300k's worth of difference there. Yeah. You know, it, it's just not a thing. Well, so what you can say, if you're George Ford, is he is more valuable now than he was three months ago. Yes, definitely. That is definitely true. And he's going to need to plug that England money somehow. Yep. Because it's a lot. I mean, that's a, that's a farce, what happens, isn't it? Oh, the women of the coach, you get a quarter of a million quid pay cuts. But anyway, that's another subject all, uh, another subject altogether. Well, that is the other thing. When I saw Marrow running out for England at Twickenham, I was just totting up in my head, what, doing a quick bit of maths, what's 50 times 25 grand? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah and that's even albeit, before his vitality money and his 
Vogue cover shoot and yeah. all the rest of it. Albeit the last 10 or so appearances will have been at 18 grand rather than 25 grand because they took Shocking. the, the uh, COVID pay cut. Only exactly. 18 grand. Poor. Yeah, only 18 grand. Poor how, okay. I don't know how he makes ends meet. I really, <laughs> I really don't. Oh, I'll tell you a bit of transfer news. Yeah. Official, confirmed, not reported, unless it has been since I spoke to someone. Uh, Leon have signed Jonathan Kapoku, if that's his name. Oh, uh, one of the... Are they twins, the the boys at Saracens? Yes. Not Joel Kapoku, the other one. Did I say Jonathan? You did say. Because there's two of them. I, I'm assuming it's Joel then, because Joel's the better of the two, isn't he? He's the one who's Joel's had more game, game Jonathan's time. the lock slash six. Yeah, it... it it's the lock. So Leon have signed Leon have signed him. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I was trying to inquire how much he was going to earn, and um, I just got the answer twelve. I was like, no way, he can't still be on a, on, on an academy contract. Twelve, 12 a, a month. I was like, oh right, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> that is, I'd probably move to Leon. Uh, probably move to Leon for that. Hmm. So that's a that's a nice bit of business. For Leon. Yeah. Now, just on George Ford. So he's twenty eight. Yeah. He'll be 30 at the time of the next World Cup. He could, if he was first choice for England, get two World Cups in, probably. Yep. Um, he could still be playing when he's 34. So, in other words, if he was Welsh or... <laughs> maybe not Welsh, actually, because they got damn bigger, but it just goes to show that it's crazy. I hope he hasn't... I hope he's not done in an England shirt, because he's playing that well. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, well, I, I also hope he's not, but then I do find it hard to, to see a way back for him unless there are injuries um so would you let's say let's say someone else in, let's say Leicester are going to maintain your deal someone else in the parish is willing to offer you something similar but you could get 50% more by going to France would you do it yeah I'll go to France it definitely goes to France because that 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 picks up the difference on your lost England money mm-hmm but bakes it in as guaranteed, but means you never get another shot of the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, look, if George Ford goes to sale, it'll be because it fits him with his life, because he wants to be back in the northwest, wants to be up in Saddleworth, wants to live close to his mum, yada, 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 yada. That's why it'll happen. It, you could, it'd be a harsh rugby argument to make now that sale is a better place to play your rugby at the moment than Leicester is. A couple of years ago, you I could argue 100%. it. 100%. Now... It's tough. Two years ago, I think George Ford would be saying, I'm not wasting another year of my career at this hellhole. Uh, yeah. Right now, they are the best team in in, um, in the Premiership. And from what I can tell, it's not even close to the second. Maybe, maybe Saracens, but I think they're, I think they're okay. Um, it's, it's got the biggest crowds. So you're going to be w- running out. You know, when a, a Pat Welford Road is, what, 20-something thousand? Yeah, over 20,000. Yeah, he's the best paid player. They might be the best paid English player for his club that there is outside of the um, marquee guys. Yeah, I mean he's well, right. I, up and there. also, I think there's a great example. Uh, if you could go back a few years, and you know, if you could, if Danny Cipriani could go back a few years, that opportunity when he stayed in England on not great money because of the lure of England, he, and I think yeah. he, he would totally make a different call and go and cash his chips in at the at the French casino. I have a feeling Danny Cipriani would do a lot of things different differently if he had his time again. <laughs> not get caught stealing those bottles of vodka in. Uh... Melbourne. Allegedly. <laughs> Didn't he get charged he with that? Well, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, let's say allegedly. Let's say allegedly. Some, some things he wouldn't have changed, though. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well said, Tim. Well said indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, some interesting moves there. I don't, yeah. I mean, just last bit on 
on AJ. I think when you lose a player <clears throat> and you lose him for more than you value him for, that's probably a good thing rather than a bad mm. thing because it means someone's got to pay that bill and it means someone else has not got the salary uh, has not got the salary cap to spend on other players. It'll probably cost Bristol <coughs> a, a, an extra back row or something like this. I just think well, it's a silly way to manage a cap. And Bristol have done it before because they stole Kyle Sinclair for yes. a similar amount of money. So you've got 20% of your salary cap tied up in two players. Incredible. It, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's strange. I think both these teams are in a bit of turmoil. I think uh, the Pat Lamb shine has basically you know, w- uh, worn off now. I think that's pretty much done. Just just in time for the seven-year contract. Just in time. As I said, as soon as I heard Donny, he was like, well, this is, this is peak Lamb. It doesn't get any better than today for him. It's mm. going to go downhill. And I also think Sanderson's not finding it easy at sale at the moment. Uh, there's no hiding that. I think he's done a remarkable feat of management because he's taken on Steve Diamond's staff, Steve Diamond's players. Um, you know, the whole thing was built around Steve Diamond and he's kept a continuity for about a year now. That's remarkable leadership. Mm. But at some point he's going to have to make his own appointments and maybe this is just the start of him refreshing the squad. And that might be another reason why George Ford is think- thinking, hmm, Leicester's actually quite settled. You know, we've done our rebuilding. We are where we need to, where we are where we need to be. Whereas I think there's going to be a few more moves in sale. I mean, there's speculation again about Faf in the rugby paper. Was it rugby mm. paper that Faf showed up? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I don't think I've read Fissler today. I've got uh, the, the rugby paper is somewhere around there, but yeah, there was Fissler who couldn't. Uh, Fissler who <laughs> got he got the AJ McGinty news out. 27 minutes before it was uh, officially announced. Um... <laughs> to be fair to him, didn't he do it two days before? They, they moved their... I thought they moved their announcement back to a Wednesday from a Friday. Or forward, I should say. Maybe. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know, but Bristol dealt with it really well with some very funny, uh, some very funny reactions yeah, on social it, media. Yeah, just one to, the, the news coming out early. If a player has signed a contract, right, I mean, how much... Is there really that much point in breaking the story? I mean, you get leaked these stories all the time. I mean, it's old in about ten seconds. Yeah, he's already signed. It's not like you're ruining it. You're ruining it, or you're doing anything you know, too mischievous. You're just announcing it. <laughs> it's just all. It's just a, it's a it's a very temporary gain. Did either of you see the other games? So we've not touched on Premiership Rugby Cup, Italy, Argentina. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that happened. Argentina won, which was a good good win for Argentina. Yeah. Um, we've not touched on. <gasps> Really, France, Georgia? No, sorry, I've got, I've got some, I've, I've got an update. So lower league rugby? No, it's kind of. Do you remember last? Do you remember last week when I um, was thinking there must be some Argentine Germans somewhere? Yes, in naughty villages who could yeah. go and play for Germany, like Kremer. Yes, must must be. Well, there are. To 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 re-emphasize one more time, we are not (laughs) suggesting or casting any aspersions on the ancestors of Marcus Kremer. No, absolutely not. Um, But there are, and there's an Argentine that plays for for Germany. Yes, our friend Dennis Dennis Fink got got. Yes, who is Dennis? Who knows everything there is to know about German rugby? He certainly does. It's like, look, we've got one. Here's one here, and there's another one. Of German ancestry, not an origin sign, but a New Zealander. He even tweets in German and plays for the Blues. He's a fly off, I think. Cool. Yeah, really that, cool. That, that's awesome. But he's still got his heart set on the All Blacks, so he's not going to be. Um, what's the nickname for the German team? I uh, don't know. Good question. 
Yeah. What's the name of what? Sorry. Is there a nickname for the German team? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the I, think I might have mentioned this before. Well, yes, I think there is a name like that. But what? What in German? The national team in German. I love the translation so much. What is it? Uh, Der National Mannschaft. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that. So he won't become becoming a shaft any anytime soon. Sadly, the, the nickname. Yeah, come. Schwarzer Adler. Schwarzer Adler, which is black. Black, black eagle. Black eagles. Black yes. Eagle. Oh, so my. What was mine? What was my iron eagles? Iron eagles. Oh, not off it, was not like. very because their badge obviously is an eagle. Yeah. So maybe we might have another black eagle soon. Mm. Sorry. Love it. We were talking about well, France, France, Georgia. Yeah, I saw this. It was quite good. Which was not Georgia did very well first half. If it wasn't for the two yellow cards, uh, these Georgia scored an awesome try in the second half on with the wing uh, back of a scrum, which does highlight an interesting issue with swapping players around. Mm-hmm. So, did did you notice who was defending? on the wing for that scrum where the Georgia winger went in. I did not. It was Mathieu Jalibert. Uh, oh, so they were hiding him? So they were trying to hide him. Uh-oh. And Georgia identified that. He um, stepped in when he should have held out, and the winger... the Georgia exploited it very well, and the winger finished the try very well, but it was all because Jalibert was trying to be hidden on the wing. Was it you that told me a story, Tim? Someone told me a story. Back in Edgeley Park... Sale were playing a team, it could have been one of many teams that had uh, Ryan Lamb playing. Mm. And as soon as Lammy came off the bench, they, they were all going, Go for Lammy! Go for Lammy! Go for Lammy! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was he that said that? I, th- I think that rings a bell. Um, I also remember some, some games at Edgeley Park. Sale, the Sale team in the Edgeley Park days were bullies in the best possible way. And I remember when Gavin Henson was playing for Saracens. And they, they basically did the same thing to him. They thought, right, we are, we, we're having you. Yeah. Good old and, days. Uh, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so they were trying to hide. That never works well, I, I think. Unless you have, let's hide him at fullback. It never ends well. Yeah, even at fullback, it depends who, who it is and if they're used to being in that position. But yeah, yeah it's, it's I don't like it. It's something that I don't really think of from a Sean Edwards defence. Yeah, it's true. Which which was weird. It was, he must be really bad. Who Jalibert? Yeah, <laughs> really bad. He read this horribly. He stepped in. He runs in to step in when he didn't need to because everyone's drifting. The whole of the French defense and the whole of the Georgia team are drifting, and he runs in and then immediately realizes, oh no, I shouldn't have run in and turned around and just got far too much work to do. Did you see the counter attack from first half between? Uh, what the hell's the winger called? The one I uh, love. LaBelle. Oh, LaBelle is some player. He is a good yeah, player, but isn't he? he got the pass from the other wing. Pernod. Pernod. Who's and also he, some player. God, he's good. He's so good, Pernod. He's just, uh, he's different level good. LaBelle looks slick, though. So he just floats the pass over, beats him on the outside. I thought he was going to go the whole way. Mm. Uh, McAloo, uh had a game to forget. Probably one of the worst halves of rugby I've, I've ever seen. <laughs> Just dreadful from after what we said about him last week. Uh, he is incredibly talented, but he just didn't have, not not he, today. Yeah, he didn't have his. But Georgia are a very physical team, and they, they they perform better than I was expecting in this this game. They did actually. 
Yeah, I, I think that if, were it not for the the two yellow cards, I think they would have it would have been a lot closer. Yeah. Well, that's that's all but well and good. But let's finish this off with the Fiji game. Yes. I'm going to call it the Wales game. It's the Fiji game. I thought they were robbed. I thought they were absolutely robbed. And some of it was their own fault. You know, like you can start, you can leave your keys keys in the car, and it you know that is your fault that you left the keys in the car, but you can still get robbed. And yep. you know the red card. The red card itself, this is what I learned today. Red cards don't really affect, as this is the point that you made, they don't really affect the match all that much normally. Which yeah, Phyllis said many, many times. But what they do do is they make yellow cards more serious. So, yeah, I, I would, the one caveat I would say is if you are a well organised team, I don't think red cards are the be all and end all. No. Well, they are if you get well, yellow cards. Did you not think, they, and this is what really surprised me about this game is. I thought Fiji's organisation organisationally were absolutely brilliant, oh. which is not something you often say about them. And I thought they dealt with being a man down fine. incredibly one man, well. Yeah, they dealt with being one man down hey, hey, just think, yeah. fine. And I'll tell you something else. Well, you know, if I read the papers tomorrow and nobody mentions this, I will know that none of the people covering that game, whether Wales Online or anyone else, I know that they'll, they are stealing a living. Because for me, one of the most impressive things about Fiji was the organisation and their mall defence and mm-hmm. their mall attack. If they don't mention that and they just say, oh, flowing offloads, they're stealing a living. Ne- and I, I bet nobody mentions it. They were superb. They got their, their, their mall organised quickly. I, when they gave away penalties in the mall, I couldn't work out what it was for. Like, the, certainly the, um, the first one when they, um, first one after the red card, I just couldn't work out exactly what they were meant to have done. They gave away a penalty. One of the yellow cards was for collapsing the mall, wasn't it? But the mall stayed still, stayed, stayed upright. So the mall stayed upright and worked its way to, to the middle of the field, and they went back. I just couldn't work out what that was. Well, one of the one of the guys who I imagine will have been instrumental in that the uh, the mall defence will have been Rory Best because mm. he's been brought in just as a coach for this tour uh. because the Fiji the main coaches haven't travelled. Yeah, Wales had some nice little line-up moments. And, and actually, Fern Cotton. Fern Cotton stuck back in Fiji, isn't he? He is. Yes. Yeah, and, um, you know, they were defending... Sorry, they were attacking a line-out in Wales, which had Adam Beard in it. And I rate, I rate him as one of the best mall defenders on the planet. He kind of swims through his arms yeah. everywhere. Couldn't do anything. Uh, Matavesi, I thought, had an awesome game. Uh, Matavesi. Yeah. Was... Mad, mad skills, chip chase... Yeah, just a lot. Breakdown. He was everywhere. Great he's, fitness he's, um, as well. He was described um, as a, a gun for hire. He's kind of available for anyone that wants to Is snap he? him up. Snap him up. Surely Northampton are going to keep him. He he looked class. He was class. Such a good engine. Such a good skill set and physical. I wonder if he'll play the Royal Navy game. Hmm. Is he still serving? I think he's still serving. Don't know. Oh, I met um, I met one of the friends of the pod, uh, Kieran, who it was in the Royal Navy. Sent me the uh, Navy jersey. Oh, awesome! Um, Long time listener of the, to the pod. When he was he was saying that when he was down in Australia working in Perth, it was uh, a, a godsend listening to him. So anyway, yeah, I had, I had a beer with him, and he was out on a like school reunion night and with, with some of his old mates. And another one of them, there was a there was a, a Navy helicopter pilot, was one of the guys out. 
Excellent. Um, what, very, what was very interesting. You, you, would, you would have chewed his ear off all night, David. You would have chewed my yeah. ear off, but fine. <laughs> and, uh, and one of his other mates was an absolute dead ringer for Jimmy Carr. Like, I could not believe <laughs> To the point where people in the bar actually thought it was Jimmy Carr. If, when we kept saying Jimmy Carr's over there, honestly thought it was Jimmy Carr. Um, <laughs> so when I was I was going to say, go on. I was going to say, when I was in Japan, um, Phil wasn't with me this night. It was the night that Phil, Phil got tired and went to bed, so I had to go out on my own in, in Tokyo. I ended up making friends with a guy. Literally, his whole career is based on the fact that he looks just like uh, Ryan Reynolds. He looks like <laughs> this. Uh, uh, his name's Sean Brealy. Look him up on Instagram. He's got like hundreds of followers. Because all he does is dress up in suits, go around uh, world capitals and take pictures of himself looking like Ryan Reynolds. That's, that's all he does. I mean, and that was... Life's going to be pretty good anyway if you yes. look even remotely like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yes. uh, mate, like, he looks so much like Ryan Reynolds that when he was in L.A., Cuba Gooding Jr. walked into a bar, saw him, no, a cafe, saw him, said, you look just like Ryan Reynolds, let's go drinking. And they went drinking all, um, they went, they went drinking all day. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah, so have a look at Sean Brewley. These bunch of lads, these bunch of lads that were on their reunion, of, of which uh, a, couple, uh, a couple of our listeners were among them, um, invented a drink when they were at school. They were massive fans. They were up in Lincolnshire and they were big fans of Newcastle United and David Ginola at the time. <laughs> to the point that they, they invented a drink. <laughs> a drink. Their cocktail they used to have on nights out called a Ginola was gin with orange lemonade and arches. <laughs> Lovely. Gin OLA. I, do you know Phil? Uh, OLA. Do you know Phil? I, I just... I was just going to put a shout out saying if anyone has in- invented a drink in honour of a rugby player or mm. just invented a drink in general, let, let me know. Contact well, at gmail.com. I can tell you if Phil's invented a cocktail. Have I? You have. Uh, a Milan special. Oh, Milan specials, yes. Which uh, is a, is a, It's a delightful thing. Uh, it, what? It's not quite a double espresso, is it? Yeah, double espresso uh, and a double amaretto. Yeah, now it's not really a cocktail, Co- is it? You need three ingredients. Uh, a screwdriver is a cocktail. Is it? What's in a screwdriver? Orange and vodka. Is, is that, isn't it? Oh, I, don't <laughs> I think know. So. I, I think definition of cocktail is three ingredients. Nah. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe dusting sugar. Maybe maybe a, a drop of sugar syrup. Yeah, you normally get like a Tiny little uh, Biscoff or... Yeah. Amaretti, uh, double espresso, double amaretto. I like it. Oh, it's yeah. lovely. It's, it's not a session drink per se. <laughs> <laughs> you, can have, you can have a few of them. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, I don't fancy that. Yeah, I, I thought Fiji were absolutely robbed. I thought they were by far the better team for the majority of the game. Yeah, some part of, me, part of me thinks Wales thought they'd just show up and they'd beat Fiji. And when they went down to 14 men, they thought they'd doubly beat Fiji. And Fiji's tackling. Let's just talk about that. Christ almighty. <clears throat> but th- this is... So Fiji against uh, Wales, one red card, two yellow cards. Tonga against England, one red card, two yellow cards. The tackling is ferocious, but this is... There's some times where you just need to like turn it down from 11 Do because you when you are going in that, that ferociously every tackle, you are inevitably ultimately going to hit someone in the head catch him with a swinging arm, and you're going off. Yeah, so I disagree with you on, on the Fiji example. I do agree with you, Tonga. Because the red card... It was I mean, a it different scenario. A it had to be a red card yeah. because, you know, you, that's how the decision tree works. 
This is how it is. It was a a swinging arm to a player on the floor. He clocks him in the head full force. Bad. There's not... There's no way you can go with that. And I... If... In in different circumstances, or any circumstance really, I don't necessarily mind that being a yellow card. Yeah. But... With the framework of the consistent application, it has to be a red I, it card. It was so clear, and the problem was, it was so clearly two different incidences. And I think the, the ref's got that right. The tackle and then the, yeah. the so second. So the tackle is sort of, you know, what was so stupid, he wasn't getting up. You know, what we, what we, he would have been better just getting... He was trying to push him into touch. He was, he was to touch. Yeah, yeah, he was trying to get him into touch. I just think it was a, yeah. So anyway, shot himself in the foot there. Yeah, the but it was a poor decision. I, what I will say, just in terms of the way we describe it, is... When you say the, the words swinging arm, I think of that video that is the the one with Mick, whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. Send yeah. him off, send the dirty, get off, get him off the field. That's that's a swinging arm where someone swings the arm deliberately into the face. Uh, there's no, It was a stupid decision. Yeah. We can all agree that. Madness. It, but there was, there was no intent no. to hurt him whatsoever. No, yeah, that, that, it, it wasn't. Tree, the decision tree says what the decision tree says. You know? I, yeah. No, and I, I understand, but but, but, there is a, but there is a difference. And I know intent can't come into it. I understand it. But I, I sometimes I think it... It does need to, and when if someone does a swinging arm to the face, that you go, oh my, he meant that, and he was trying to clock him in the jaw, like not only a red card but a severe ban. Well, yeah, they mean, I, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded if the referee, as as we say, as Phil's already said, I wouldn't have minded if the referee's decision, which he initially went to, Nick Berry said, he's he's dropping a bit there, so I'm going to go with the yellow. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the second decision, if the player was that switched on. He knows he's committed a red card defence. I'd probably try and finish off the guy on, guy on the ground with a few more blows because <laughs> you're going off, aren't you? Uh, of course, he wasn't quite. He wasn't quite at that level. Um, that would be funny. Can you can you imagine a double jeopardy rule? Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, there, mate. There's a red card, but you're allowed. Okay, you're red card. So you've got two minutes. You've got two minutes left, and you're allowed to do as yeah. much damage as you want in, in or in one minute of the, play. The guy's already knocked out on the floor. Exactly. <laughs> Go exactly. to town on him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was a red, a red card's a red card, so you know, <laughs> nothing I can do. Um, so that was the first one. But the other red, the other cards were technical offences, from what I remember. Yeah, one, one was collapsing a mall. Yeah. Um, and then there was a Tui-Sui one, which I have watched so much rugby this weekend, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> But I thought they were brilliant, uh, and I thought the tackle height and the timing was on the limit of legal, which means it's perfect. Yes, yeah, mostly. Uh, just, I mean, you watch the pro game, and then you watch international games, and the one thing I will say about international games is when you do watch it, you go, oh my God, this has gone up some inter- you know, like 5%. On what is already a devastatingly physical game, you now got 5% more. Yeah, you, c- you couldn't... There's no way you could do much more international rugby than we already do. No. But then you throw the Fijian tackling into that. And like when Dan Bigger's acting hurt, you know something bad has happened. Yeah, and this happened time and time and time. Their timing is just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. They should have won this game. And I think without the cards, and let's talk about that, that try, which was never a try. Well, that we mentioned before, the Louis III summit. Never a try in a million years. Yeah, I mean, the wheels in him was unreal. But yeah. no, I agree with you. That that's not that's not a try. He's not grounded the ball. He bounces. Yeah, it's just not. It's just not a try. Now, here's why we I, we just didn't have the frame rate to conclusively. Put, but we all know he bounced that ball. Yeah. Now, the reason I don't, I, mean, I think it's a shame for Fiji that it was given. Another massive problem with it because it's kind of like the opposite problem that we had when. 
Do you remember when Jamie Noon scored for England against New Zealand? Hmm. It's quite a famous one, this. He goes over. It's 100% a try. But this is before the on-field decision was given. So it just went yep. straight upstairs. Is that a try? It's like, well, we can't see. So no try. And it was obviously a try. Yeah, So okay. that's why they changed it to what's the on-field decision. Yes. So Nick Berry's got to give an on-field decision. That's just what he's got to do. And he yep. does that. And that's the right thing to do. And I've said, you can't, I can't say, or no one can say, I like that an element of the refs just playing it by or refing what they see um, and simultaneously have a problem with this. Because he had, he had to give that call. Now, the, the, rule, the laws say the on-field decision overrides any uncertainty. It's like benefit of the doubt. Yeah, so, in, so. and the, the, you're right. The you you are right. It just felt like the wrong decision because yeah. because we we couldn't. The frame rate wasn't good enough to conclusively prove that he'd bounced the ball. Yeah, but we all know he'd had bounced the ball. Exactly, exactly right. We, we all know what happened. So you combine that, and yeah, look, the, the scoreboard flattered Wales, and they'll they'll feel very lucky to get out of that one alive. Literally, <laughs> it's uh, it's the first pool game. In Bordeaux, in the oh, World Cup, so awesome! They're lucky that Fiji are playing first, because if Fiji were playing last, they'd have a right fight on their hands. Yeah, well, hopefully Fiji will get enough time, enough prep before that game, and they've got and they've got loads of players in France as well. Yeah, um, and they'll be getting some players through Fiji Jura. I want to say, or is that the one that's played in the NR, um, in the Australian? So, yeah, Fiji, Fiji Jura, yeah. Mo- Moana Pacifica. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that will help as well. Uh, Come Pete on, Shaw Fiji. On the email, um, Pete Shaw on the email just put, put it really well. He said, Fiji has no money as a union, little playing time together. Not true. Missing... Not true. They have loads of money as a union. Okay, loads of money, which is not bezeled to where it needs to go. Uh, little playing time together, missing a number of their best players, including, well, including their three best. Played a chunk of the game with 13 men after a red and yellow cards. And yet, still almost beat Wales in Cardiff. The score flattered uh, Wales, and and also Liam Williams, tough as nails, pummeled and kept getting up. Mm. He is like I think you've described Liam Williams before, JB, as like um, a, a bare knuckle boxer, scaffolder. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's just he got, kind of got that um, like like uh, Brad Pitt in Snatch. Yes, he uh, is hard as nails. So hard. And speaking of hard as nails, I watched some rugby midweek. When was I think it was Wednesday evening. I watched it live on the BBC, and I absolutely loved it. It was uh, great. Uh, it was England versus France wheelchair rugby league, and it was brilliant for two reasons. One, there were some lovely skills on show, but number two, those boys are absolutely hard as nails. <laughs> yeah, it was a pro- It was Did- fantastic to watch. I loved it. Did they come out of the chairs? Uh. No, I think so. There was quite a few tumbles. That's what I mean. But I think they, they, I think they were more strapped in. So how do they right themselves afterwards? Tilt themselves up. I have a friend. They can just prop themselves back up in their in the chest. I have a friend that plays wheelchair rugby, and I I keep saying I'm going to get him on on rugby dungeon because I've got loads of questions. I you're probably not the best person to ask him to. He is. So that's yeah. what I'll be doing. Yeah, but. I would, I would highly recommend it. It was great to watch. And can I just say, as someone that works in broadcasting, that's what the BBC should be doing. Forget BBC, forget about rugby. There's loads of companies. There's BT Sport and, uh, and Amazon, Amazon and Sky and all the rest of it that will do that and talk sport. You don't need to worry about that. They, they played the New Zealand v 
uh, England women's rugby game the other week. They're playing wheelchair rugby league. That's what the BBC should be doing. Mm. Brilliant. Absolutely. Well then. Okay, just very quickly predictions for that for next week. If you actually care to do them, I don't really care to. Let's not do them. Uh, let's let's do them quickly. Uh, just just one word. Okay, you just put them all. And uh, yeah. okay, Scotland, Japan. If we were talking about, well, let's let's preview Huddersfield's next game. JB would be right. Okay, <laughs> let me settle in. <laughs> or Albion. Oh, well, then what we got? Scot- what we got? Scotland versus Japan. Scotland. Scotland beat Scotland beat down. Italy versus Uruguay should be quite interesting. Um, Italy will win, but competitive. Yes, agree. Georgia versus Fiji. Fiji? Um, that's being played in Spain, interestingly. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Someone's worth getting vaccinated for, that. It's, like, it's almost like someone's been listening to me. That's where I said Fiji should base themselves all the time. Yeah. yeah. Barcelona. Bar- Barcelona, that would be awesome. Um, ooh, Fiji, Fiji versus Georgia. I'm going to go that- for... Fiji. Yeah, give me Fiji, but I think that would be a very interesting game. A really good game. Wales, Australia. I think Australia. Australia. Um, yeah, I, with the 20 players Wales have got out, I think... Mm. But they're at home. I'm going to go Wales at home. Just. Give me Australia. Damn, damn bigger to bring them home. We have... France, New Zealand, which I think is an eight o'clock kickoff on the Saturday. Oh, awesome. which is Saturday excellent. night, eight o'clock, France, New Zealand. That's so good. Yeah, it's such so much history in that yeah, game as France, well. Can't France. Oh, I'd love France to win France, this one. France going to do it. I think New Zealand are going to win. Yeah, but I'd love France. What, what do you think dust. about their kit? Another week on, Phil. You saw the white version of it today. I I prefer the white to the blue. Actually, yeah, I like I the I like the kind of curls the swerved um, flag round the white more than I do on the blue hmm. I agree with you and, and England's kit with the red flashes down the side uh, okay it just when you so it, from a distance looks like an England kit I'll take that um, up close it doesn't look the best quality I, I could be totally wrong because I've not actually handled it yet but I'm not entirely convinced by we're happy to try it out Umbro send us some Yes, I'd love it. If you send me some, then I'm sure I'll give lots of uh, compliments towards it after that. That's why why they do it. That's why freebies work. They send you freebie stuff because then you you get good reviews. And I don't care if it falls apart after two washes because it's free. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, Then we have uh, England versus South Africa, 3.15 on Saturday. Oh my, what a spicy game that's going to be. England could be missing oh. could be missing Owen Farrell and Jamie George, which would be two big blows. They could um and suddenly some... Bevan Rod I mean Bevan Rod up against a loose head playing at tight head is one thing. Yes. Bevan Rod playing against um two different massive South African tight head props. That's a very different proposition. It's an enormously different proposition. And actually Bevan Rod so Bevan Rod played very well and he he, w- he worked incredibly hard. One of the things I was most nervous about was Bevan Rod because the last or the the until this point the biggest game he's ever played was away at La Rochelle in the quarter final. Uh, no, no, he, but physically he was fine. It was emotionally apparently that he let himself down. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I've heard firsthand it was emotion. If he only was slightly happier, I so think I, he would have been able to do <laughs> or or less. I, I don't know. But emotion means if you get your emotion right, Winnie Antonio is nothing. 
Yes. You batter him. So I, I was... I, I've heard this. I was worried about this. He did well in this game. Um, I am still worried. This has not calmed my nerve for when he comes up against whatever combination of Vincent Cock, Trevor Nyakane and Franz Malherb comes his way. God. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, Marla tested. Just to think po- of the, sorry, go on, other, other teams with South African. I was going to say just to think of all the other teams with South African tight head props. Kebble, Scotland, and mm. it's just ridiculous. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm still very nervous now. Marla is apparently out of quarantine on the Thursday. This is a Marla job. I love Bevanrod. This is a Marla job. It is a Marla job, but Marla, Marla will have. Muller will have been training in his garage. Yeah. Um, he will be out, so he will be okay. I think Genge will miss it because of the quarantine I did, period. I, did, yeah. I know. That's fine, not, fine. That's, that's yeah. It's um, such a load uh, of... Follow, follow process. Any, but, uh, yes. any other games? Uh, on the Sunday, 2.15, we have Ireland versus Argentina, which I think that'll be a good game. Ireland will win that. Yeah. They'll put the... Uh, well, they'll put well, the you They'll them? put the second team out, so it could be, it could be an island upset. You miss them. Go on. Um, you've got Albion versus Cambridge. <laughs> That'll be Albion. Cambridge. Wrong. Uh, Huddersfield versus Tigers. Sheffield Tigers. Have you played Sheffield Tigers? Uh, I've played them a couple of times, yeah. Where, which way? How do you say that? Uh, Tigers. Mm, Huddersfield. And Yorkshire Derby. Also. Who essentially playing? I've got no idea. <laughs> um... Also, Sedge, I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who. Sedgley under fourteens are playing Broughton Park. Oh, are they? That is a big game. Broughton Park yeah. lost this weekend. Actually, I might add, uh, add that. Well, no, no, no. Broughton Park under fourteens. Then Broughton Park under fourteens today dominated. Won, won a very, very tense Lancashire Cup game against Trafford Metrovic. Get in. Get it, in. Yeah. Is it uh, um, Huffend or is it uh, um, Park it's Lane? Huffend. Is that Huffend? Yeah, next weekend. Well, just remember this. It's a very big week in, week in rugby. Raffy Quirk's Broughton Park, sorry, I should have said. Raffy Quirk's exactly. Broughton Park. Like Mark Atkinson's England. Phil Lug and Sedgley Park, Sedgley Tigers. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark Atkinson. Mark Atkinson, Sedgley Tigers. Big, oh, yeah, big Luther Burrell's Sedgley Tigers. Of course. Petrus Duplessis, Australian scrum coach, Petrus Duplessis. Well, it's Sedgley a Park, massive week in the world of rugby this week because it's Oldham week for, uh, for Toc H. Now, I don't know if you know the history of, of Talk H versus Oldham. I do. Time, every time we talk about Oldham on this podcast, uh, they batter us. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of making the decision not to play this week because it just makes them gives them superhuman strength. I was uh, I was at one of the, the I don't famous. Want to talk about it. I was at one of the famous games. One of the famous collapses after you been bad bad mouthing on Twitter because they uh, pulled out of a game or something like that. And I was, you were playing, and I was on the sidelines, and all of their spectators were like, "There's that lad who's been bad mouthing us, smashing." Don't mess with Oldham; <laughs> it, it, it never works well. They uh, they got a red card, a yellow card, and they still beat us. In so. many ways, JB, that that is a measure of the success. Of the <laughs> exactly, podcast. exactly. Right. Enough, but enough people listen that even in a parochial. Uh, Niche level rugby, they they still know when you slag them off. Yeah, yeah. I'm not slagging them. I'm explicitly not slagging them off this week. But yeah, it's so, um, it's going to be so a good game. Old JB says Oldham aren't fit to lace the boots. That is not what I said. That is not what I said. I have nothing but respect for that club. But we got some brilliant emails this week. Some of them are timeless, and I've deliberately. Um, 
I've got them on file, don't worry, but we're contactedchasers at gmail.com. But Sam Griffiths, just one point that really made me laugh. He said, uh, an observation about Geordie Barrett. He said, um, Geordie Barrett looks like, looks like someone with an allergy to bee stings who has recently suffered a bee sting. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. He's, but Borden Barrett is a fairly handsome chap. Geordie Barrett is not a handsome it's chap. Not quite, is it? He's not. Yeah. It's not quite clicked. He's a hell of Which a player. Which is strange because he's taller. Yes, and he looks almost the same as Bowden Barrett. But but it's just it's, it's like the quite... it's like the uh, Louis two, sword, two Swords version <laughs> of Bowden Barrett. <laughs> We got sent an email with a link to the old Louis Two Swords, an article about Louis Two Swords, which is now in Blackpool, which we mentioned on last week's podcast. Which is, uh, it's now an actual Madden Two Swords. So rather than having terrible waxworks, it's got legitimate good waxworks. Which is, I have, I would have no interest in seeing good waxworks of famous people. Well, you don't want to see, you don't want to see a pretend show Cole. <laughs> no, I would quite like seeing. What do you do with a pretend show? Oh, look, it's, a, it's so it looks a little bit like Cheryl Cole. I would I would happily go to Madeira to see that uh, bronze statue <laughs> of Ronaldo. Yeah, just for that. Yeah, just for fair. that. That is fair. And a bit of Madeira. Another one. reason for a tier two tour. Hey, I, I'm telling you now, Portugal is picking up. So I did interest for me for tier two tours. I did look tour. the other day. The fixtures have not been announced for next spring. Have but they not? I am keeping an eye on it. The, 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 this year's tournament has not yet concluded, so hence why they've. So I'm keeping an <sighs> eye, but. If we could get, say, Portugal versus Spain, or, oh, no. or, oh, wow. or something similar in with, in Lisbon. Yeah, the problem is with this tournament now. The 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 lure of Madrid is just so great. Madrid is pretty cool. And Madrid, it just it draws me in. Mm. And I don't want. I never want to go to Eastern Europe ever again. Lisbon would be cool though. Lisbon, Lisbon yeah. would be very cool. Lisbon would be cool. Whatever Lisbon that place be... was, whatever that place in Madrid was that we ended up on the Saturday night. Uh, I've spoken to a bunch of people about Madrid, and every conversation I always start to describe it. And they go, Platea. "Oh yeah, this that place. It's like a food place in the Platea. day. What's it called? Platea. La Platea. La Platea. Just off Morgan. Oh, just so off Morgan. Good. Just square. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, awesome. Ma- Margaret Thatcher Plaza. Margaret Thatcher Plaza. That's it. Yes. Yeah. It is. La Platea. <laughs> Inside an old cinema. It is. Awesome, yeah, and also we've got to remember it's a COVID friendly city. All the French kids were going there because they had no no rules, and they've got a decent mayor who uh, you know treats it properly. Let's the boys play. That's it. She lets the boys play. Thank God. Perfect. And let's leave that there. Yeah. Contact headchasers at gmail Hit subscribe in your f- uh, feed so that you get every episode delivered to you. And if you appreciate that you get a podcast fifty two weeks of the year every single Monday. Uh, then you can also support us as well as subscribing, telling your mates and all the rest of it by going to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers and final order of business. Uh, we will have an extra uh, patron only episode in the, in the little patron section at Patreon, but Phil, our winner of our, our little giveaway will announce now and then pick up on the, oh, on no. the other podcast is. Uh, it is going to be, let me just hit that. It is Ben. So it's number 496. It is Ben Weedemer. Ben Weedemer. Ben the Redeemer. Ben Weedemer. Ben the Redeemer. You're not getting a shirt, Ben. Ben the Redeemer. You're Congratulations. Get, you're getting a tie. You're not getting a shirt, tie. you're getting a tie. Because, JB, what are you doing to the shirts right now? I'm changing them into soundproof little things, and it's it's kind of not working. 
But yeah, I need to do a lot, a lot more of them. A lot more of them. Uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do, Ben the Redeemer. You've got something good coming your way, and we'll pick that up on the uh, other podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Let the boys play. Let boys play. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 